Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Monday. We're coming to you live from our studio here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson. Inside the studio with me today on the program, I've got Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry, and Ryan Lavoie. We are so excited to bring you another brand new edition of our program. We hope that you had a wonderful weekend wherever you were whatever you were getting into whatever sports were occupying your time we hope that it was the best weekend imaginable for you guys we want to take your phone calls 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 888 9 however we're currently having some technical difficulties with our phone line today so we hope to get that resolved ASAP with that being said Kevin Ives we plan on having join us at 415 here today uh, but obviously if there's no phone line we're not going to be able to do that we'll be able to talk about Auburn baseball with him after they pick up an impressive series win against Texas A&M over the weekend the biggest story for us to discuss on our program today happened last night in Birmingham we are so 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 excited to announce and let the world know as we learned last night at the Abbey Awards that Sports Call Auburn won the 2022 Judges Award of Merit for the best sports talk show in the state of Alabama. We won the award in 2021. Our trophy this year has the 2022 year on it and we were able to celebrate a victory last night and we're just so grateful that everyone contributes to this show. A lot of thank you used to give out with people here inside our company and uh, I'll personally say as the host of this show been doing it for four or five years now at this point taking over uh, after my good buddy Reed Slider and it's a show that's been on the air for 26 27 years created by Andy Bertram and Bill Cameron to now have two consecutive years where we've been recognized for this program by the Alabama Broadcast Association after having 24 years where we had no recognition whatsoever it's an incredibly awesome awesome feeling and I do want to say thank you to Brooks Childress and Ryan Lavoie for being on hand in Birmingham I had some broadcast obligations that kept me away from that ceremony but I'll open up the show today I'll let Ryan talk first as as he was on hand and again what a monumental day it was in the life of our show yeah because that was the first time we actually got to go to the ceremony they did not have an in-person ceremony in 2021 Uh, we just saw then post the you know the 25 30 minute long uh, awards presentation essentially they had a statewide premiere video that everyone year. was tuned into and so we found out we won uh, in the office that day but uh, yeah no it was really great to get to go um, there's a lot of people um, around the state that were recognized and both TV and radio stations go there um, and so that was something that uh, was is always a big event. 
the biggest event of the year that they put on is that award ceremony and uh, they had a few less people there because normally they uh, allow those who don't or don't you know are not going to win they allow to to come up and show show up anyway if they submitted something or that sort of thing um but they uh tried to limit the attendance a little bit this year and so it was primarily just the winners that were were there and um you know it was a really great time to to be amongst all those people hard working there was a lot of awards won out of huntsville mobile and that sort of thing uh but uh we were really fortunate to take home our second abbey in two years um that's something that uh has been a priority that jj once you took over a few years back that you wanted to try and lead the show in that direction because we'd been over 20 years of a show and not having awards to win awards in consecutive years feels really great and it's testament to everyone uh, from our general general manager brooke myers believing in us and allowing us the ability to do a three-hour show which is not done in the auburn opelika area until we did it and uh, from all the people that work on our show because we have a, a handful plus of them and so really blessed to be a part of the team and to win two straight years and it was a really great event great to be at that last night Brant, you were a part of the Sports Call team. You contributed uh, for a number of months in 2021 uh, for the efforts that we were recognized for last night. Hope you had a great weekend, and uh, I'll let you speak on on the Abbey Award back-to-back victories for the show. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I wasn't really a part of the first one, obviously, because I didn't get here until August of last year, but uh, to be a part of uh, an award-winning show now, uh, that's a really big honor for me. Um, I've already posted it on my various socials and had a couple of friends from back home go, hey, man, this is awesome. That's so cool. Uh, and that's just, you know, it's it's my heart swells, you yeah. know. And uh, it's very, very cool to be a part of that. And, yeah, I, I did have a pretty good weekend. Uh, my brother turned 30 on Saturday. so Awesome. I, uh, I traveled up to Birmingham for a day and hung out with him and his girlfriend and a couple of his friends. And so very, very cool that I got to go see him. Of, of course, a, a problem with that is that I spent an entire day in Birmingham celebrating with my brother, so I didn't get to watch much of the Elite Eight. Uh, so that's unfortunate, but uh, I did get to watch a little bit, and uh, I thought there were some pretty good games and some very boring games as well, but uh, had a fun time. Uh, had a good weekend and uh, glad to be a part of the show today. Without a doubt, we've got a fun show planned for you, Wire to Wire, uh, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show on the air until 6 o'clock. Mr. Tom Peavy, what a, a weekend we were able to have. And, of course, got big-time news with the show taking place. Yep. Uh, you were up to speed on, on the Abbey Awards and the festivities there and wanted to to make sure that uh, we, we were able to win again, and we did. Oh, yeah. I, and, you know, and I, I guess I, I'm the longest-tenured guy around here skill uh since bill bailey really doesn't do the show with us anymore uh yeah i mean it's just really it's been something else to watch this show uh grow over the years i you know i guess i started making my appearances first in 20 uh 2014 yep so i've been around here that long um yeah just to see the show grow see it go from two hours to three hours to see uh the amount of callers that we have now to see the amount of uh national guests that we have on this show uh it 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 just keeps growing and growing and uh you know we all have plans of how we want to keep seeing it grow in the future uh you know the folks out there don't realize you you send us out uh goals and objectives that that we all kind of chime in and want to try to figure out you know where we want to push this show even further right um 
And so hey, the one thing I can tell you to, to all the listeners is we didn't do it last year. We're not going to do it this year. Just the fact that we won an award does not mean that we're going to sit back on our rear ends and just <laughs> soak it in. We keep wanting to push this show further and further uh, and, and try to push it the furthest we possibly can. And, and whether that means uh, reaching out into further markets away from this area, we can. All, we already can be heard in many areas through uh, through the podcasts and through the internet and just the, the stretch of this radio station. But, you know, certain goals of, of reaching into other markets to try to spread the show. Obviously, we want to try to get as many more guests on here as we can for everybody to listen to. Uh, so yeah, that, that's yeah. the big thing. We 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 are very happy that we won this award for the second year in a row, and and it is an honor uh, to be a part of this. But again, we're not just going to sit back and just say, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. hey, we won the award and just keep on coasting through. We we keep wanting to push the. Uh, I don't want to say push the boundaries. That that sounds almost. Uh, I don't know. That that sounds bad, almost <laughs> in a bad way. And so it's not pushing the boundaries, but it, it's it's trying to push the. Uh, the, the limits of trying to raise our ceiling. Yeah, you know, wait, right now I don't think there's a ceiling for this show that is a definitive. This is as far as we can go with it, and so uh, we we keep wanting to push things and hopefully get more awards in in the building. Without a doubt, I, I'm one for uh, alliterations always with this show, whether it be Town Name Tuesday or we're debuting Wacky Wednesday over the past few weeks. It's really those silly segments sometimes that we hear the most about. That was my alliteration right there, silly segments uh, that I put together on the fly. I respect it. Thank you. Attaboy. Uh, and, and so... We, yeah, we want to just find new ways to entertain and sure. inform. And uh, I know, Tom, you're, you're sporting the Savannah Bananas hat. Oh, yeah. As that took place over the weekend, you were in attendance. Our general manager, Brooke Myers, uh, went on Friday night to the ball game and was able to see the Bananas play. And we, we've reached out to their owner, Jesse Cole, to come back on the program at some point this week or next. And he's looking over the schedule, trying to find a good time to do that. I know you got a chance to meet him, Tom, but uh, we'll let you talk about your weekend. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that, that was the highlight of the weekend was going to uh, Riverwalk Stadium and watching the Savannah Bananas and yeah I got a chance to meet Jesse and told him who I was and that I you know that when he did the show here in Auburn I was one of the ones and uh, he was very busy and kind of scattered but you know he kind of get oh yeah and he goes well was it everything was it everything that I hyped it up to be and yes it was that and more uh, for anybody that gets a chance, now I say for anybody that gets a chance to go and watch them, you, you're probably going to have to wait until next year when they do it because if you look at their schedule, they're sold out. It's a world tour for a reason, and yeah. they're going all over the place. Uh, they they are getting ready once they got done in Montgomery. Uh, both both of those shows sold out, and now they're getting ready to head down to uh, West Palm Beach, Florida, and uh, those are already sold out. I think there's one in West Palm that may have a few tickets left. But then back around in this area, Columbus, Georgia is sold out and Birmingham is sold out. So, uh, and, and as Jesse told us on, on the air, once they sold out, it, it's a it's a hard sellout. They, they don't have extra tickets that they hang on to to sell. I mean, once they sell out the allotted tickets, that's it. So, um, you know, they it, that thing is going to grow. But it, it, is, it is an incredibly fun time. And it's it's nonstop entertainment from even the moment that you're standing in line to get in the gate. There's something going on, whether uh, the DJ playing, the pet band, and all the players come through. Uh, Jesse Cole gets up there and gives a whole well introductory to everybody standing outside the gate. Countdown, you know, from five 
and they open the gates. And then the cool thing is all the players and everybody are there high-fiving you as the fans. They're high-fiving you as you're coming into the stadium. Uh, and then That's wacky. I like that. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, Thanks for being here. You're awesome. High five. Yeah, well, and and that that's that's part of the promotional aspects that Jesse Cole and that that group do. They they want to celebrate the fans. It, it's here's you another one. In fact, there's there's one of the players that has a jersey filled with autographs. His entire jersey is filled with autographs. And so what he does is, if somebody comes and asks him for an autograph, he says, "No, I want your autograph." And so. His whole jersey is filled with other people's autographs from fans. Uh, so that's the big and thing. And it started because someone asked for his autograph? I, I don't know how that started, but that's his That's his little gimmick yeah. or shtick or whatever. Is that I saw a clip from... He, he gets their autograph right. instead of giving his. ESPN picked up a clip this weekend from some of the games in Montgomery, which was cool to see right. the city get some love. Uh, but a player that went into a full split yeah. uh, in the batter's box. Uh, yeah. Uh, Did he make contact? No, he, he drew a walk. That, and I think that was on the Friday night game, and it was on ESPN's uh, not top ten. But, yeah, guy goes into a full split, so it drops the you know drops your uh, strike zone down into nothing. But it, what's funny is it's hard to see when he's in the split, the umpire's laying down on his belly, and uh, it's, it's crazy. I, there's just all sorts of craziness that goes on with that. But it, it's from start to finish. Like I said, before you even go in the gate, there's stuff going on, stuff going on throughout the game. And then after the game, you leave, and all the players, all the, the cast is what they call it, all the cast, both teams, your dad bod, cheerleading squad, the pet band, and everybody's all outside the stadium. And you just go out there and mingle with everybody. And you get you meet them, you take pictures, sign autographs, whatever, and just hang out and have a party out there on the street with everybody. All right, I brought my best friend and uh, our general manager, Brooke Myers, into the studio as well. Uh, gave her a little bit of love in the open, of course, for our, our big Abby celebration that we've had today. But also, huge Savannah Bananas fan. And I let the world know you went the day prior to Tom. I did. What was your favorite part? I don't remember. <laughs> Are you drunk? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great. It That's was awesome. it was it was really really cool. Their merch, as Peavy's got on his head, oh, yeah. it was super super cool. That was definitely wow. the the hat of the game. Um, it was so much fun. It yeah. was just, I mean, he's he's telling all about it. But yeah, I, w- I saw the uh, the sprint. I saw somebody get out while they were doing the sprint. I didn't really understand that until I got there. Right. And so like when there's a walk then every they they take off and they try to get as far as they can and every banana has to touch the baseball and and yeah i gotta see it in person it was it was really exciting did did i also see somewhere a clip that there was a fan that made it out as well your night yeah yeah, that was on, on saturday night uh in the seventh inning with two outs uh, a guy from the uh, party animals fouled one back and I mean really just a couple sections over from us and a fan with a glove caught it well in their rules that's an out yeah right so now if the bananas are batting you don't want to catch it did that fan come out onto the field out? They, they so they when he caught the ball the whole place just erupted because everybody understood that's an out so the whole stadium went crazy because the guy just caught the foul ball um 
some of the players from Bananas came running up to the net and were jumping up on the net, shaking the net in celebration. <laughs> and then one of their staffers grabbed the guy and took him out onto the field, and they were just mobbing him <laughs> like you know, yeah. like he was a part of the team because he just got the final out of the inning for him, and they got him out on the field. And I mean, they were celebrating with him like he was a part of the team. That's so cool. That I was, was awesome. I was standing. One of my favorite parts of the night was I was standing in line and uh, this woman turns around and she said what is this <laughs> and I said what do you mean and and she was like we were at dinner and somebody handed us two tickets to this and we just walked in what is happening wow. <laughs> and so I tried to yeah she, they looked so they were they were RVing across country oh man and just randomly happened upon this could you imagine like the twilight zone <laughs> I have no you know? idea yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, I so in, in addition to the so you yeah. mentioned the cool merch you're wearing a hat oh, yeah. from the Savannah Bananas what else was it was there refreshments like what was the the whole vibe like well I mean the, the outside of just the game itself well I mean the 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 concourse had your typical stadium fair okay uh, like you would have at a Montgomery Biscuits game. yeah I didn't right. see I didn't see anything that involved like the banana food the, other than Instead of throwing out the first pitch, they throw out the first banana. Yeah, no and so, way. so yeah, no they, they have yeah, got a real banana, a real banana, a real got banana, chucks yeah. a banana. At it looked kind of old too. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. They throw Ugh. the first banana. Um, then they have the christening of the baby banana, I guess. And so they have a baby that they dress up in a, a baby or in a banana outfit. All the players gather around home plate and get on their knees and do the and, Lion and they, King. And, yeah, it's like Lion King, and they hoist <laughs> this baby banana. Up up in the air and everybody's giving praise to the baby banana there at home plate. Yeah, the, maybe if I was RVing across country, I would have yeah. felt real weird. Yeah, the what is this? Is that's yeah. the best part? And then after, and then after the uh, after the national anthem, you have both teams on the baseline for the national anthem. And as soon as that happens, the national anthem is over. Then they go into a kick line, like a Broadway kick line. <laughs> With some music playing, I don't even know what song it was, but both teams are sitting there dancing and like doing a high kick line like the Rockets. They provide a playlist of all the songs they played. Oh, okay. How about that? That's awesome. <laughs> you know, you know, I had to go find exactly, the exactly. So, did the bananas win? The, yes, the bananas did win. Uh, they they in my game they had a walk off win. Here's the other weird rule here. You don't – every inning counts. Right. So, for instance uh, – You could have a walk-off every inning, right? Or do you right, always you can, have a walk-off? No, you can, you can have a walk-off every inning. Uh, so, in the first inning, the, uh, the party animals batted first. They scored two runs. Uh, the bananas came up and scored uh, – I'm sorry. They scored one run. Uh, the bananas came up. They scored their run to tie. And then the next run that scored – there were only two outs, but he scored that second run – that ends that inning. That's a walk-off. So they win that inning two to one, and they get a point. And you move on to the second inning. So, yeah, and now the other cool thing here, once the guy had the hit, this is in the bottom of the first inning, and he walks it off. All the players come screaming out of the dugout into the stands and are jumping up into the stands, high-fiving everybody and celebrating like it, like the game, the game was, was over. over. That was just the first inning. <laughs> 
So it's like, yeah, welcome to Banana Ball. Yeah. At the end of the first inning, the players are already Did we play seven crowd, innings, nine crowd innings, diving. Two hours. Two, two hours. Time limit. I forgot about that. It's a hey, we're not, you know, because yeah. baseball takes forever. Yeah. Sometimes you never know how long Our, it's going to be. My, two hours and we're done. Yeah, my game made it through a full seven. I don't know what how many innings your guys got to, but yeah, I got to a full seven innings. What about that? Before the time ran out, and in ours they were tied uh, two innings apiece, uh-huh. and and they. Uh, the uh, bananas were able to get a run in the bottom of the seventh, which uh, was right as time expired, and that was it. They walked off with a uh, a walk off walk, actually, or sprint, sprint as they call and it. And then it was good to see everybody, and we'll get out of here for the night. Super cool crowd, too. Yeah. Oh yeah, just everybody, everybody was, was just yeah. in a good yeah yeah. Uh, and, and by the way, super cool crowd, packed, packed. Yeah, like, I I can tell you, Riverwalk Stadium has never had a crowd that big because I, I couldn't imagine. I've never been to a Biscuits game that had anywhere even remotely sure. to a crowd like that. And the times that I even went and watched Auburn and Alabama play in their uh, Capital City Classic, that stadium wasn't packed like that. This place was packed to the rafters. I don't think it was as full as when I saw Tampa come play the well, Biscuits. No, okay, now I can really, see that. I really, really, I was there for that, uh-huh. and I think it was more full for this. Right. Wow. Yeah, so the Bananas got something going. I like this, that. This was the largest crowd in Bananas history. Uh, in both, Montgomery, Alabama, both, of Montgomery, all places. Both nights. Largest crowd in Bananas history. Uh, the So the stadium they play at in, in Savannah – is a very old uh, kind of bandbox type stadium. Called the Banana Peel? No, it's uh, I forget exactly what it's Just called. Trying to be creative, but uh, it's not big. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then they've played in Daytona, Florida, and that stadium is not very big. So this stadium that they just played in was huge, and this is the biggest crowd they've ever had. Now they're getting ready to go to um, uh, down to Florida. Uh, what I was talking about, and where they're the stadium they're playing in is the. Uh, spring training home of the Washington Nationals and the Astros, and so they're probably going to break their crowd record they just when had. they when they yeah. go down to Palm Beach because that stadium seats I think eight thousand. They they had it estimated, I think they estimated about seven thousand uh, fans inside both nights. About right. seven thousand fans uh, in Riverwalk Stadium for that one. The stadium down there in Palm Beach seats uh, around eight, so they're looking at maybe nine to ten thousand people. Uh, for those games so at least for right now montgomery alabama and riverwalk stadium has the record for the largest crowd ever to watch the savannah bananas well we will try and get jesse cole back on the program to hear his thoughts the owner of the savannah bananas yeah. and he's and all again, over the place yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Ever, all ever. over the place there just and you like can't hanging miss out him. can't miss him in the yellow tuxedo yeah, for can't sure. miss him no doubt nope. brooke thanks for stopping by yeah glad that you uh, guys tricked. enjoyed the uh, savannah <laughs> bananas on court and when we come back we'll uh, have more of sports call next on tiger 95.9 fm May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. 
Welcome back into Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. It is a Monday edition of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio. Brant Daughtry, Tom Peavy, Ryan the Boy. A Monday, a very happy Monday. And we've got a lot to discuss here on the show. Wild weekend in the sports world. The final four is set in men's college basketball. We've got, of course, college baseball, college softball in full swing. I was not here on Thursday or Friday. I got the opportunity to travel with the Georgia Tech baseball team and saw the uh, number 12 Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets take on NC State. The team, of course, that made it all the way to the College World Series a year ago and their year came to a close because of some COVID-19 tests. Really talented team and NC State ended up sweeping Georgia Tech. Back in the mix, back on the show here today, we're celebrating our Abbey Award victory last night, the Judges Award of Merit here in 2021. And uh, yeah, already getting the uh, Alabama Broadcasters Association to repost some of our material on their social media accounts. So that's a good start. If they're listening to us we're trying to win it again next year we're, we're that greedy that we've got one done we're already looking forward here and we're, it hasn't even been 24 full hours that we've held on to the thing. more but we want more we want more indeed all right it's monday march 28th let's celebrate some birthdays it's time for today's birthdays in sports oh my favorite thing to do is celebrate some birthdays happy birthday today Derek carr turning 31 years old a quarterback for the las vegas raiders three-time pro bowler his brother david was an nfl starter and the first ever draft pick for the houston texans back in 2002 a number one overall pick he played college football, did Derek Carr at Fresno State. And this offseason, he has learned that he's going to get to be reunited with his college wide receiver, Devontae Adams. Yeah. I know he's probably excited about that. Yeah, I read something today where uh, Derek Carr last year was trying to get Devontae Adams to go over to the Raiders and said he would buy him whatever car he wanted if he came oh, to no the Raiders. Kidding. And so Devontae Adams was quoted as saying, I'm feeling very Lamborghini-ish. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. That's remarkable. I like that. Uh, next, Chris Long is turning 37 years old, a former NFL defensive end who played from 2008 until 2018 with the St. Louis Rams, New England Patriots, and Philadelphia Eagles, a two-time Super Bowl champ, a 2018 Walter Payton Man of the Year Award winner, 2007 Defensive Player of the Year while at Virginia. His younger brother, Kyle, plays in the NFL and his dad Howie played in the NFL as well Chris Long turns 37 a two-time Super Bowl champ yeah definitely more famous for the dad yeah than the two brothers they had good careers but Howie Long is the, the super, man. Howie Long is the superstar of the family. Uh, Rick Barry is turning 78 years old, a former NBA forward who played from 1965 until 1980 with the San Francisco Warriors, New York Nets, Golden State Warriors, and Houston Rockets. An eight-time All-Star, a 1975 NBA champion, Rookie of the Year award winner. He played college basketball at Miami. The second overall pick in the 1965 NBA draft, a 1987 inductee into the Naismith Memorial Basketball. Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame, and his sons, Brent, John, Drew, Scooter, all played in the NBA. Four sons to play in the NBA. Of course, the most famous of those sons, Brent and John, had longer-running careers. But uh, Scooter Barry played in the NBA for two years. I I didn't remember that. I don't remember Scooter Barry. 
Uh, next, Byron Scott is turning 61 years old, a former NBA guard who played from 1983 until 1998 with the Los Angeles Lakers, Indiana Pacers, and Vancouver Grizzlies. He was also the head coach of the New Jersey Nets, New Orleans Hornets, Cleveland Cavaliers, and LA Lakers. Three-time NBA champion as a player, 1984 NBA All-Rookie team. He played college basketball at Arizona State and was the fourth overall pick of the 1983 NBA draft. Byron Scott turned 61. Yeah, always a role player on a lot of those Lakers teams. Um, And, uh, yeah, he coached the Lakers to far less success than when he was in Flavor Flavor. And then finally, last but not least, our last birthday shout-out to give you today here on Sports Call. Mark Melanson is turning 37 years old. He is a relief pitcher for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's also pitched for the New York Yankees, Houston Astros, Boston Red Sox, Pittsburgh Pirates, Washington Nationals, San Francisco Giants, Atlanta Braves, and San Diego Padres. Am I done yet? Four-time All-Star, 2015 NL Reliever of the Year. Twice he led the National League in saves. He pitched collegiately for the Arizona Wildcats, was drafted in the ninth round of the 2006 MLB Draft. He currently has a 2.79 ERA and 244 career saves. Mark Melanson is turning 37. Yeah, really good, really, really good relief pitcher. Uh, and he was good with the Braves, but then he just tore it up with the Padres. Yeah. Yeah, Braves thought they were missing him a lot during the regular season, but they uh, pieced it together. In the they did, season. and he missed out on a World Series ring. He did. He, he did play well with the uh, the Padres, as you were saying, Tom. It was like, man, everybody's chasing Melanson in the saves yeah. category, stat leader, and he kept going. But Mark Melanson, let me do that again, okay? We've got the Diamondbacks, the Yankees, the Astros, the Red Sox, the Pirates, the Nationals, the Giants, the Braves, and the Padres. That's and unreal. And he's, a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> he's played for just about everybody. Mark Melanson turning 37 years old. A look at our birthdays in sports here today on March 28th, 2022. Again, happy birthday. Derek Carr, Chris Long, Rick Barry, Byron Scott, and Mark Melanson all celebrating their birthdays today. I wish uh, Rick had named one of his kids Dingle. <laughs> Dingleberry. <laughs> we got a Scooterberry. He named his son Scooter, but yeah, if you name your son Dingle, then you're walking around as Dingleberry, and uh, I think you're probably getting made fun of. Yeah. Probably a little bit. You're, you're mine, Tom. It, it fascinates <laughs> us sometimes. Let's take a quick timeout. Sports Call continues in a moment. Do you want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Now back to more Sports Call with JJ Jackson and the guys. segment of the first hour of the show today. This is not J.J. Jackson. It is Ryan LaVoy with Grant Autry and Tom Peavy. I was about to say, your voice got really deep there, J.J. 
Yeah, it um, <laughs> had a surgery over the last <laughs> five minutes. Very quick and painless. And recovered in time. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, just about eight or nine minutes left here in the hour. We do believe we've gotten our phone lines back going. So if you want to give us a call, 334-887-341 locally. Toll free, one 9 tiger 9 to join us. On the Auburn Bank phone line, we will be having a guest in hour number two, Kevin Ives, at 4.15, I believe, uh, in hour number two. So don't want to miss that. But like I said, just a few minutes left here in hour number one. And we've alluded to it a little bit. We were talking banana ball for a little while there and then did birthdays. But Final Four coming up on Saturday. And, of course, um, we will be talking a lot about it throughout the week. So I guess we should look back first and foremost on the Elite Eight and uh, talk about the couple of games on Saturday night if we were going to go chronologically. And Saturday night's game saw Duke defeat, um, who was it again? Duke, uh, Arkansas. beat uh, yes. yes. Fell to Duke and then Houston losing to Villanova and what was a very low-scoring game. Guys, what were your impressions on those two matchups? Uh... I, I guess not really surprises. Um, uh, yeah, I thought Arkansas was going to fight a little bit harder yeah, I mean, than that because they had been on just such a hot streak. But uh, I, I think the team, the four that are in there right now are just scorching hot. And I, I'm very interested to see this, the Duke-UNC matchup. I, I, I mean, what more could you ask for from a Final Four when you have two of the biggest rivals in the entire sport of basketball going against each other? And in Coach K's last year on top of that. So that that's going to be intriguing. But, yeah, I mean, as far as all those games go, uh, I, they just they, they felt a little more deflating than so many of the other games before because they just were lopsided. Yeah. And it just not a lot of excitement to it. Hopefully the, the actual Final Four games will bring a little bit closer games and a little bit more excitement. But, uh, yeah, the rest of the tournament had been like a, a, a thrill ride, and then these last couple of games were yawners. Yeah, you 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 have one of the more chaotic NCAA tournaments in a while. You have a Cinderella make a run to uh, all, all the way to the Sweet 16 and or the Elite Eight, excuse me. But uh, you know they're right ends there, and you end up with four teams that are very used to being in these positions, very used to making deep runs in March. But it does set up to probably one of the coolest storylines ever. Ryan, I know that we were talking about it in the office the other day, and you're probably not thrilled about it. But the the Duke UNC in the Final Four as as an impartial observer, that that's a a very interesting matchup. And I had Villanova in my Final Four, so uh, that's a win there. So I, I, I'm very interested to watch these Final Four games, even though I agree the Elite Eight was it was kind of. Yeah. Deflating is a good word for it because it just it was not as interesting as I wanted it to be. But I'm still very excited for what we have coming up this weekend. Yeah, and you mentioned your bracket, my my office bracket, the one that we did here, which is kind of the main one I've been paying attention to. I had Kansas winning the national title, so I'm still alive. Yeah, now, the rest of my bracket. <laughs> yeah, well, similar. I mean, most people are out because a lot of people in our pool picked Auburn, Auburn to win. Yeah, yeah. Um, I picked Kentucky, so, so that would be nothing Kentucky. good. Uh, I had Kansas playing Kentucky in the national championship game, so I still have that, I guess. But uh, you and JJ are in great positions because JJ had Duke winning the national championship. So, uh, you know, that that will be decided there. Of course, I did multiple brackets um, just 
for fun pick my teams and so the north carolina bracket i have is in the 100th percentile um so uh needless to say not a lot of people as they shouldn't have been picking an eight seed but for the heck of it it was like well i'm gonna pick my teams i had one with uab that's in the 14th percentile right now so so uh that's just kind of how it goes but yeah guys i I agreed um I, i think the game's got even more lopsided as we go. I think it was a steady progression. I think Villanova and Houston, while it was very low scoring, it was still pretty close throughout. Houston just could not make a single shot. And it's not like Villanova torched them. They had 50. Uh, but Houston, I, I think, was like 1 of 20 from 3 or something like that, which is just unbelievable. And then Duke and Arkansas, yeah, it wasn't a blowout, but uh, Arkansas, after they cut it to 5 in the second half, Duke went on like a 7-0, 8-0 run after that, and Arkansas really never got it to that 5-6-7 marker again. It was always 9-12-14 to to the rest of the game. And then you look at the games yesterday, Miami led at halftime and lost by 26. Yeah. Uh, I missed the second half of that. That's when uh, Brooks and I started to travel up to Birmingham. So I don't know what necessarily happened other than a beatdown in the second half. And so that game result was not in doubt in the last five minutes or so. And then North Carolina, really from the jump, had it on St. Peter's. They win by 20. And uh, that one, unlike Miami-Kansas, was really not competitive for for any of the game. Um, So, you know, if – it always happens at some point where you're inevitably going to get something that disappoints. Um, you know, for as great as the tournament was, you had several double-digit seeds. You had one true Cinderella with St. Peter's. Um, we can only hope that the national championship game and the final fours are close because right. obviously the Elite Eight was disappointing. Until that po- point, I would dare you to tell me how <laughs> the tournament had been disappointing if you're just neutral observer on things. Yeah, no. Um, and, and but we've been getting some chaos stuff. I mean, we remember Loyola Chicago from a few years ago make right. the Final Four. Uh, Oral Roberts as a 15 made the Sweet 16 and was beating Arkansas for most of that game last year, and then things kind of evened out. But it is kind of weird that in a tournament that had so uh, a, a good amount of chaos, that had a good amount of storylines that. Uh, even though the seeds, there's three pretty high seeds here and one eight seed, it did end up being four of the most successful seven or eight programs of all time. And if you were just ruling out more recently and just considered Villanova's last 15 years, you would bump them even higher than seven or eight because right. they've won two national championships in the last uh, six years or so. Um, so it, it tur- it's turned out to be four really top-of-the-line programs in the Final Four. Yeah, that, that Blue Bloods. Uh, I guess you you have to consider Villanova a blue blood now. Obviously, UNC, Duke, and Kansas are like full fledged blue bloods. I mean they they are three of the three of the top programs in the country when you think about college basketball history. So those three, Villanova is is they're up there too. Like you mentioned, I mean they're especially their success over the last several years, but. Uh, I, and you know, I guess this part of the tournament. I, I don't. I think Kansas. I think Kansas is legitimately one of the four best teams in the country. I'm not sure that the other three are. Just you know, when you just think about talent and and everything. Uh, I think Duke. I, I should say Duke could be, even though they had some losses this year. UNC was not really all that great. Um, they knocked Duke off uh, there at the end of the season in Coach K's last game, which was a stunner to everybody. 
But UNC had not really been very good this year. Uh, and here they are sitting in the Final Four. Villanova, they've been good, but nobody really knows much about them because I say, Villanova is just one of those teams that nobody thinks about until they're in the tournament. You're like, oh, yeah, Villanova. <laughs> Forgot about those guys. Um Kansas has been uh, Kansas has been doing Kansas things most of the season. Obviously, some losses here and there, like everybody sustains. But Kansas has been dominant. Duke loaded with talent. They've had their share of losses too. But uh, you know, you're getting four teams that are scorching hot right now. Duke, Duke has been on fire. Obviously, North Carolina has been on fire to make this run they've had. It's going to be interesting to see, but uh, obviously all eyes and all the media attention is going to be on that Duke-UNC matchup. That, that's the one everybody's going to be. I mean, that's that might as well be the championship game. Not that that's who's going to win it, but... Just in terms of eyeballs on it and notoriety. In terms of the, the notoriety and the eyeballs on it, that game right there will... Yeah, because it's never, it's never happened for and It's the sport's right. greatest rivalry. And, uh, I mean, we talk about all these metrics to tell you about how up there they are in the annals of college basketball history they're top five in everything that matters uh championships tournament victories final fours uh tournament appearances wins uh, everything and so but they've never met in this the biggest the sport's biggest spectacle and so to finally have it is unbelievable because it's also a different perspective for North Carolina because North Carolina is usually one of the teams that you think can make the Final Four. And then some – I mean, obviously some years they do. They have the most Final Fours of all time. But a lot of times you're talking about, hey, Carolina lost early, and they're not – they were a one or a two seed or something, and sure. they're out early. It, I can't ever remember Carolina, at least not my lifetime, being – yeah, this team's not a Final Four team at all. This team's not very good. They might be out in the first round, and then they – buck that and they go to the final four it's like kentucky the harrison twins um from about seven or eight years ago for all the great kentucky teams they've had the harrison twins were one of the kentucky teams to make the final four right even though they were i think an eight seed that year sure and so it's weird to see this type of team because they're usually on the other end of it they're usually on the list that lost earlier than you thought they would have right rather than be the the team that gets white hot at the end it ends up going way further than you thought they would so that is an interesting storyline we will continue to talk more about it not only in this show but throughout the week but uh final four is set and we are out of time in our number one on the other side of this timeout, we will have more on college basketball we'll talk some auburn baseball with brian ives with kevin ives excuse me uh at 4 15 and uh continue to go through the monday edition of sports call hour number one in the books And as J.J. Jackson would say, of which I am not, we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. 
And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two getting underway of Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9. Ryan, Brant, and Tom with you here this afternoon on this Monday afternoon. JJ, we think we'll be back at some point, but right now, company business. So we will chug along here as we start hour number two and want to open up hour number two talking a little bit about some Auburn baseball here as Auburn baseball was able to win two out of three this weekend in College Station. They get their first SEC series victory of the year. Now three and three in SEC play, 17 and seven overall. Still a bit too early to be talking about bubble teams and all that, but it's off to a pretty good start in that regard. Um, and six games into the conference play, there's uh, already some mayhem with Tennessee not just winning the series against formerly number one Ole Miss, but sweeping, uh, absolutely just tearing them up a couple times and sweeping them overall. And uh, so Tennessee six and zero in SEC play, and if you look at the West, Arkansas at five and one, but Auburn sitting there tied for second with LSU, A and M, and Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Bama two and four through six games in the SEC. Of course, they play 30 in the conference. so still a long way to go. But uh, honestly, you take one out of three from Ole Miss, you win a series at College Station. I think I think you would take that so far through sure. six games. Yeah, um, they're they're playing pretty well. They need, they've got to get some improvement in the pitching. Uh, when you look at the stats, they're scoring a lot of runs. The the, the team as a team, they're hitting the ball. Uh, they're getting timely hits. They're they're getting home runs. They're putting a lot of points on the board. Unfortunately, they're also giving up a lot, and uh, they're kind of having to play that uh, those shootout type games where you where you're just you hope that you can score ten because you're giving up eight or nine. Uh, so they desperately need to get some help there with the pitching and get some better pitching going. But offensive wise, man, they're 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 raking as they say and. And it's a lot of different guys. It's not just one or two that are that are doing it. You can go through and look at a box score. In fact, I was looking at a box score this weekend because I uh, uh, Nate Larue uh, had a huge uh, last game in Game Three uh, with uh, five RBIs. But you look at the first two games, and Nate Larue didn't really do a whole lot in those first two games. But Sonny Deshara would have had a big game there, but then he didn't have a big game on another one. So. Uh, and you can look up and down the lineup, and that's kind of how it is. So it, it's they're hitting well uh, throughout that entire lineup, all at kind of different points. And so, uh, yeah, the the runs are being scored, the hits are being made. They they've just they've got to start getting a little bit of more shutdown innings from some of these pitchers instead of trying to get in these shootouts where, like I said, you, you hope that you're scoring ten because you're giving up eight or nine. Yeah, no, I think with Auburn baseball coming into the year losing so many guys out of the lineup i think sure. it was a pretty solid concern that uh, right. oh, losing yeah. someone like ryan bliss steven williams uh rankin wally lost other guys as well so you know it was one thing early on in the year as they were trying to get their footing it was sunny to and then you know trying to find more from you know blake rambush and that sort of thing but now you get cole foster back he he's swinging it well you score a ton of runs. I mean, what stuck out to me, even that Ole Miss series, the one you won, it wasn't like it was a close three to two, you hang in there. 
put double digit runs on the board in that win. And I know Ole Miss pitching is is bad, and it, it it's going to be their their downfall as they're dropped to number ten after getting swept by Tennessee, and I, they're going to have to out hit their way to victories all season long. But you know they're they're clearly a good offensive team. I think at this sure. point, now the pitching. They've got some pieces they like, but the problem is we saw last year they were really having trouble getting outs in the bullpen. This year it feels I, – I can't really rate the bullpen because I think they're having to go to them so often and so early right. that it's hard to know how they in a perfect world would want to align it because, I mean, we are giving up eight, nine runs. I mean, you're you, that, that, that doesn't mean you're getting seven innings from your starter. That means you're throwing seven different people. Uh, more than likely and so that part of it is interesting but what's always going to be so difficult to predict in this league is just how many good teams you play because all right you you feel good about two out three against sex a&m but if i were to hand pick a couple teams that will be in trouble of missing the ncaa tournament Texas a&m might be one of them right right? And, and that's why it's important to beat them you got lsu next and lsu uh, is perennially tough. They're 13th in the country. That is a, another tough one. You then look at what they have after that, and they have, I believe, Mississippi State. Vanderbilt. No, Vanderbilt yeah. is next. On and Vanderbilt's A-day, awesome. A-day, on the A-Day weekend. And that's Vanderbilt's tough, but it is at home. Yeah. You have Mississippi State, who struggle. They're no longer ranked. Uh, they are really been fighting it. They won two out of three against Alabama this past weekend, but trailed in every game, had to walk them off twice. But as I said, Mississippi State is no longer ranked. Um, so that's tough because you know they have that top five talent. There. I think they were preseason number three. Um, yeah, they were preseason three. And, but, uh, but So you know it's in there. And then you have the most obvious series, if I, I were just to break it down, most obvious series where Auburn has to not only win it, they might need to sweep it, just depending on what you're wanting, but against South Carolina. Because South Carolina is just 12-11 and 11 on the season. Uh, I know that they had their years, but, sure. but they're not great this year. And then you have another tough stretch because Tennessee is now the number one team in the country. <laughs> Arkansas is still – At, at yeah, Tennessee. Yeah, and then Arkansas is still top five or six, I believe, where you have the rivalry series against Bama. So, in other words, you only have one, maybe two more series where Auburn would be favored in, I would say, and the rest it's either a toss-up or slightly unfavorable – it's always just tough in this league. Yeah, uh, you know, kind of going back to uh, touching on what I was saying with the uh, the hitting. The hitting is there. The pitching, maybe not so much. Uh, I go back and I look at uh, uh, really going back to that Middle Tennessee series. Auburn lost that first game against Middle Tennessee, and they gave up ten runs. Auburn scored eight, but they gave up ten. Uh, that next game against Middle Tennessee, Auburn won it. They scored ten. They also gave up seven. So again, shootout game. That last game was a three to four in eight inning, whatever. But then you give up thirteen in the loss to Ole Miss. You come back, you you win by scoring nineteen. But then you turn around and you give up fifteen in a loss. Then you give up twelve in a win against South Alabama. Uh, the first game against Texas A&M, a ten inning, six to five victory for Auburn. So a little bit more of a normal score. Uh, you lose four to five. Uh, but then in that last game, you win by scoring 13 runs, but you also gave up nine. So, again, you find yourself in one of those shootouts. And, uh, you know, hopefully they can get whatever it is figured out with that to cut down on some of the runs. Because, yeah, I mean, for the most part, the offense is there. The 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 bat the bats are up and down the lineup. Uh, anybody on any given day throughout that lineup can can get you hits, can get you the timely hits. 
and can really put a hurting on on an opposing pitching. But you got to find a way to start shutting some of these guys down and start getting out of some of these innings that where it feels like games start getting away from you a little bit, and you end up find yourself in just a, a shootout. Yeah, obviously with Auburn and, and trying to get some SEC team numbers here uh, from the season thus far, you know, believe it or not, this league has actually been giving up a lot of runs. Their ERA uh, really looks to be in the middle of the pack overall, which is quite surprising. You thought might be lower. Their hitting is up there. They're the third in the league in average uh, at 311 uh, through 24 games. Uh, they are not hitting a lot of home runs, but they're scoring a lot of runs. Uh, and, and so this this team has been pleasantly surprising in that standpoint because, gosh, I, I really didn't know what they'd have this year. But like I said, I was really worried after the first few games or so that having to replace so much on their offense, it was going to be Sonny share trying to carry everything and, and that sort of thing. And, and fortunately for Auburn, um, they've been able to, to score a lot of runs. They've been able to um, give themselves a chance in every game. The, the good news about having the offense they do have is if you do have the unfortunate, you know, rough pitching outing, that sort of thing, even giving up six, seven, eight runs does not disqualify Auburn from having a chance to win the game. So it's been very interesting this season. Uh, a lot of runs being scored at Plainsman Park and, and elsewhere across the SEC. And so we will chat with all uh, with Kevin Ives about all of that here after this timeout. We'll talk all things Auburn baseball. As you listen to Sports Call, we'll be back in a moment. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger Monday edition of Sports Call live on Tiger 95.9, sportscallauburn.com, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brant Daughtry with you here this afternoon, filling in for JJ for the time being. And now we're going to go to our Auburn Bank phone line and catch up with Kevin Ives of Plainsman Parking Lot, AUPPL on Twitter, uh, for our Monday conversation with Kevin. Kevin, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are y'all? Doing well. And Lots to talk about with this Auburn baseball team as they were able to uh, win two out of three in College Station. What were your initial reactions to what was pretty crazy series as far as you had uh, a couple of, of late-inning games there on Friday and Saturday and then had a very high-scoring game on Sunday? Yeah, two uh, extra-inning games, Friday and Saturday. It was just a weird series overall. Auburn was down on Friday to their honestly their last strike. Uh, Brooks Carlton had a 3-2 count. Tigers had 2-1. Uh, managed to to lace uh, um, a two RBI a double I think double or single um, and Auburn tied the game uh, top of the ninth held on and ended up winning in ten I had a four nothing lead a four zero lead on Saturday um, and couldn't really get anything more after that 
And that game ended up going into extra innings with Texas A&M, um, walking Auburn off. And then Saturday was just bizarre because uh, – uh, Sunday was just bizarre, I'm sorry, because both teams really just traded punches for a while. And A&M got out big, uh, you know, would get up three runs, and Auburn would respond um, with three runs. And eventually Auburn was able to put enough distance between themselves and Texas A&M and take the series. And I think that's probably the biggest thing about this weekend, besides it just being bizarre. There was a um, there we had Mason Land that was ruled out because his bat was deemed illegal. Uh, but I'll get back back to that in a minute. But um, the fact that throughout the series, Auburn just kept battling. And, you know, even though they on Saturday they weren't able to kind of add more runs, like they were still um, trying and they were still, you know, chipping away. And on Sunday, it could have really all gone south. And it could have, like, they could have kind of collapsed in on themselves, had kind of a repeat of last Saturday against uh, Ole Miss where they really could not get over the hump after being down early. But credit to Auburn, they really had a lot of, a lot of production in the bottom of the lineup really helped as well. Uh, but Auburn battled throughout the entire series at on the mound at the plate and getting the series is really i mean key and crucial um just when you look at the league overall right now so yeah a huge win and and couple that with the midweek win against a very good south alabama team in montgomery um on tuesday so it's been it was a pretty solid week for auburn baseball uh kevin kind of looking at this team one thing i was talking about is uh and you kind of mentioned it, trading punches. It feels like this has kind of been one of those things that this team has been doing quite a bit, um, especially looking back towards about the Middle Tennessee series. Uh, it feels like this team has the offense to to do a lot of really, really good things, but it seems like the pitching is not there just yet. Right, is that what you're seeing? Or, or, I mean, kind of what is the deal with the, the, the fact that they seem to give up a lot of runs while also scoring a lot of runs? I think there's still a lot that Auburn's still trying to figure out on the mound. And I don't think it's an issue of not having the pitch. I think the pitching is there. I think they're really having to shuffle a lot of guys and really probably extend a lot of guys they wouldn't have thought about extending based on the types of games they've been in when they've been in these close games. That's why you're having Burkhalter basically pitch three out of the four games this week, this, this past week, um, really relying on him. Um, but you've also had guys that have been out for injury. Like, we did not see Jordan Armstrong at all this weekend. Uh, not that I remember. Um, he may have pitched Friday. I missed a lot of the Friday game, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, we didn't see Justin Gonzalez, to my knowledge, either. Um, so you've got a lot of guys that are kind of having to um, go into these extended roles. And you've got guys that are still coming back from injury. Like, we had Chase Isbell, uh, who pitched for the first time this season this past week. Um, and so I think you're. I think the the pitching staff is still trying to figure itself out just a little bit. Um, but I have a lot of faith in it, and that it'll get fixed out. It'll get fixed um, and kind of figure out. I think the on on Sunday, I think that uh, Tommy Sheehan's outing was not indicative of his performance. I think I, I'd hate to really complain about umpires and stuff, but I think that the calls that he was not getting. Um, made him kind of have to rely on some other things, and it just wasn't as effective. And so he had to get uh, kind of pulled out a little bit early. But I think it'll it'll all kind of shake out. Um, and another issue is has really been just been the schedule, and that's really affecting the the pitching. Not necessarily the amount of games, but just because, but just the frequency of the games and how the the like look at the SEC. You know, we started off as a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. 
when it, this past weekend was was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then this weekend is going to be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and so you, you're you're having a hard time trying to find some consistency with when you're going to be able to play guys, give guys rest, um, but all that is really uh, will really kind of shake itself out, and we, everything should be okay there. And talking about this pitching staff, I know they've had some games here. Uh, where they've been giving up a lot of runs and had some high-scoring games. They still kind of rank in the middle of the SEC, those in terms of ERA, so they're not floating towards the bottom just yet. But a, a, a bright spot, no pun intended, has been Trace Bright uh, with a, an ERA in the low twos, his six starts. He's averaging nearly six innings a start. So talk about how good and important Trace has been considering that the rest of the rotation has kind of been a mixed bag and, and knowing that they've had to bridge the gap to the bullpen in various ways. He's really been a stalwart and has been reliable, and that's kind of what you kind of you need for guys on the weekend. You need guys that are going to be reliable and guys that are going to kind of it give you give you innings um, and not have to rely on the bullpen as much. I think having Trace be as consistent as he has been and consistently good, um, and, and if we see how that'll continue throughout the throughout the season, it's going to enable Auburn to stay in games. I mean, you look at that Saturday game with uh, Texas A&M and their pitcher, uh, Micah Dallas, who was a um, a graduate transfer from Texas Tech, and the fact that he was able, after a rough start, to kind of settle in, go all the way to the eighth inning, allow A&M to kind of chip chip away and come back in that game, that's stuff that you need, and that's stuff that you can kind of expect from Trace. If Auburn maybe struggles or the offense is not clicking out and needs to go, if he can give you those innings, um, and still keep his pitch count low, it's going to really help. It's going to help set up other games throughout the weekend. It's going to keep you in games. But his development has been uh, really good to see, just kind of where he has come from and like how he's kind of developed within the program. Um, and he just doesn't seem phased. I mean, he doesn't um, – we don't want to use the, the bright pun again, but he just keeps shining, and that's kind of the best thing you can say about him. This team at 17-7 and seven overall, 3-3 three and three in the SEC, which is technically good for time for second in the SEC West. Uh, given this start, kind of halfway through the season, just a couple series uh, into SEC play, where is this Auburn team tracking compared to your preseason expectations? I think they're, they're tracking about the same. I mean, preseason, I, you know, I was expecting Auburn to, uh, you know, make a regional um, and, you know, kind of compete, kind of right the ship from last season, stay in a lot of these close games, uh, the games that they kind of like had lost last year, um, not blow leads in the in the in the late innings. You've seen an emphasis on that too with the pitching staff. Um, but yeah, kind of still on the same path, kind of what to expect after the LSU weekend. It may actually be um, accelerated a bit. It may actually be kind of above schedule because this weekend at LSU, if you're able to go down to Baton Rouge and take that series then you're going to have a winning record in the league. You'll have a third of the league schedule already done. You'll have two road series that you've already taken, so more home series coming up. Um, And the rest of the league will just start to eat itself. And you can kind of relax just a little bit. Um, Because really, to me, if Auburn ends up at the end of the season 500 in the league, they have a good chance of hosting a regional. I think just based on RPI, based on the league in general, who they're going to play, if you are able to end up 500 in the league um, or maybe two games above 500, then you're going to have a really good chance to host a regional. And I think that's the 
next big step for Auburn baseball right now is they've been to the College World Series, they've been to regionals, been to Super Regionals, and this team under Butch, the next big step is to start hosting regionals. Um, and so we'll, we'll kind of see how it shakes out because I'll tell you right now, the league in general outside of Tennessee, it's it, there's a lot of parity, and any team can kind of sneak up on you and, and anybody can beat anybody else. Um, and so you always have to be on guard. You always have to kind of be ready to grind out. You're not going to have one of these um, – you're not going to have anybody in the league that you can expect to win against. Um, you kind of look at what happened with Georgia and Kentucky this past weekend where Kentucky upset them and took that series. Um, the fact that Ole Miss got swept by Tennessee. Um, South Carolina, a team that the weekend earlier got swept by Tennessee – um, but then managed to take a series from Vanderbilt. So there's a lot of back and forth, and each one of these games that you win in the league is going to be so crucial and so important because it's – I was talking with somebody else. I mean, the parity this year I think is um, a lot closer than I've ever seen in, in recent memory in the league. We're talking with Kevin Ives, uh, Plainsman parking lot, talking some Auburn baseball. Uh, Kevin, you mentioned that Tennessee team, uh, the latest uh, Baseball America uh They've, they're up to number one. Uh, we've heard a lot about their closer. Arkansas uh, up to four. But, you know, you mentioned some of these other teams that are, that are falling off. I, I guess maybe uh, this schedule maybe doesn't seem as daunting as preseason when you looked at pretty much everybody in the West was ranked. I mean, is that legit seeing everybody kind of feasting on each other now? And that's it's what's going to happen, and that just kind of happens in league plays. They start to cannibalize them one another. Every now and then, um, you know, every other year, you may have a team that just starts to run away with it, like Vanderbilt did a couple weekends ago, and they just seem untouchable. Tennessee may be that team. Um, I've I've watched a lot of Tennessee games, and they are very tough to beat. They have extremely good pitching. They are extremely good hitting. They play to their park really well, um, and they but. I, my only concern with Tennessee, and not a knock on them, is that and it's just from watching SEC baseball for years, is that they're going to stumble at some point. Right. Um, you would, you, it kind of is just the nature of the game is you're going to have a bad series, and it's how you recover after that um, is kind of how you're going to end up. But yeah, and Auburn's going to go up uh, to Tennessee to play, and so that's going to be a tough series. But yeah, outside of that, I mean, you you got to look. It's been I think it was Saturday when I was looking and I was going between games, um, you know, most of those games were tied or close in the ninth. Um, and so there's just a lot of everybody knows everybody, and they've played against everybody. And they even had a year where that's almost exclusively who they played was SEC teams. So you want to kind of – you're not going to be able to, to hide anything from any of the other coaches and – they're all going to kind of know your weaknesses, know your strengths. All these coaches talk to one another. Um, and that's why where Auburn sits right now, um, the fact that they've yet to be swept and, you know, they got a series win, um, I, that's why they're, they're kind of looking good because you don't want to be in a situation this early where you're trying to dig out of a massive hole. Auburn ran into that last year and couldn't really recover from it. Alabama is kind of that situation now. They won their first SEC game yesterday. Uh, but they're sitting at the bottom of the league, and they've already got two series down, and it's just going to get harder and harder as the as the season progresses. So, yeah, it's definitely a grind, to say the All least. All right, Kevin. Well, uh, you, you mentioned that you weren't able to watch a lot of the, uh, the Friday night Auburn game. I know where you were at. <laughs> I, I was there Saturday. 
So, uh, Savannah Bananas, uh, what's your take on the banana ball? It was fun. Um, and a friend of ours, uh, a friend of uh, me and my wife kind of set that up, and she had been wanting to get tickets. So the Savannah Bananas are a college summer league team based in Savannah. Right. But they had taken their team, and they basically made this road show of it when they're not in that sort of summer league, and they call it Banana Ball. And it's just good, goofy fun. And that's why, <laughs> like, they, they have skits and stuff, and it's it's very similar to kind of the Harlem Globetrotters playing the Washington Generals. Um, you know, it's it's the Savannah Bananas versus the Party Animals, the team that they're playing. And they've just got fun stuff, and it's really, like, family-friendly, and, like, there's a lot of crowd interaction. Um, and it was just kind of neat to see. It was just kind of a an experience, and I expected kind of to go watch the game and then also kind of be looking at my phone the entire time to look at the Auburn game, but I couldn't because it was yeah. so entertaining. Yeah. Something going on. Watching all the... It, there was there, it was nonstop. There was always between innings something going on. The only thing that kind of confused me with the banana ball is how they explained the rules of banana ball. They didn't explain what the little splits was, um, where everybody has to touch the ball. That's the only rule they didn't really go over. Right. So we were kind of confused. But as I was telling my wife and telling my friends, like we weren't really going there to watch kind of a competitive game. Oh, right. Like you want to laugh, you want to have fun, and there's a lot of dancing, and they had a the world's tallest first baseman. They had a guy come out and oh, still, um, basically for for that game, and um, it was just fun, and it was kind of a, a neat thing to see. And um, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. So next time they come around um, and they start doing this banana ball world, world tour, it's really just been for around the southeast. They've kind of done it, right? Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out again. So so in my game Saturday, uh, the uh, bananas walked off the seventh inning with a fan catching the third out. So uh, Bar- Barstool, Barstool Sports has been not necessarily pushing, but saying, hey, is this something that other baseball leagues could adopt where if a fan catches a foul ball, it counts as out? <laughs> so that was one of the rules that they mentioned banana ball, that if a foul ball is hit and a fan catches it, it is an out. Right. Um, and in the, in the Friday game that I went to, the bananas were up and hit a foul ball and a fan caught it which oh. has been an out for the Savannah Bananas, oh. and that person got booed mercilessly. Wow. Um, and, like, you could see, because I think it was kind of unexpected for the uh, the party animal team. Like, that, that's never happened before on their end. Right. Um, and so they were cheering and going a little crazy. So, yeah, it was just fun, and it, they've got, like, a band, like oh. a little marching band that kind of plays and stuff, too. And so, yeah, it was a lot of fun, and it's, it's definitely something to kind of take the, take the family to a room just to go and enjoy um, and just have a good time and laugh at it. So, yeah, it was great. He's Plainsman Parking Lot at AUPPL on Twitter. Kevin Ives, we appreciate the time as always. Thanks, guys. Kevin Ives joining us here on the Monday edition of Sports Call. When we come back, more Sports Call. We'll talk a little bit about the Final Four. We'll also continue to hit on all the topics in the world of sports right now as you listen to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back here on Sports Call this Monday afternoon edition. Ryan, Tom, and Brant with you here. Just had a good chat with Kevin Ives as we do most Mondays about Auburn baseball and off to a, a modest start, 17-7, and seven, and of course 3-3 three and three in the SEC. A lot of teams right now 3-3 three and three in the SEC, so not a bad place to be at all. And uh, I want to mix it up a little bit with you guys here because there's a big um, big event that happened not in sports last night. But, huh. uh, but it, the slap put around it, yeah, the world. It involved a uh, – <laughs> I guess you could involve a, a sport that almost uh, happens, although it's not slapping, it's more boxing, but – that's, uh, I was going to say tennis. Tennis? That's a heck of a forehand. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, it was so big last night that I don't really follow anybody entertainment-wise on I Twitter. Have. I follow a bunch of sports people, and they were all talking. I mean, from Stephen Everybody A. Smith to Pat McAfee to whoever talking about Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. They broke the internet. Uh, I mean, it, Absolutely, it did. It, it did. Um, Whose side are we on? Are we on Chris Rock's side? Are we on Will Smith's side? I'm on, I'm on Chris Rock's side of this. Okay, first of all, let me say this: I firmly believe that that was real, that that yes. was not staged. Yes. I think it's pretty much been confirmed that that was not a staged thing. I've I've had the conversations, and I still see a lot of people on social media saying that you'll never make me believe that that was real these are actors they know how to act they know how to make that look real no i think that was real i i think that was absolute legit uh it sounds like from everything that i've heard that it was legit so i'm going with that that chris rock made the joke about uh jada pinkett smith um she has alopecia which means her hair is falling out and he made a gi jane comment Will Smith goes up on stage and slaps the taste out of Chris Rock's mouth and then, you know, is screaming vulgarities at him from the crowd about, you know, keep my wife's name out of your blanking mouth. Um, but I'm on Chris Rock's side here, and, and the reason I say that is I, I, I get the fact that you are defending your wife when somebody says something, but there i i'm just i'm i'm very non-violent when it comes to stuff like that i think there's better ways to handle that than walking up to the man and slapping the mess out of him there's a better way to handle that there is a there is a more adult way of handling that uh i i've i've one of those that have just always been taught that violence like that is supposed to be used to defend yourself. Now, if Chris Rock had started hitting back, then I would still be on Chris Rock's side because he's defending himself against that. But to walk up to a dude and smack him like that, I, I just there there should not be a place in society for that. And so, for that reason, I am on Chris Rock's side. Um, I am on the side of holy crap! Will Smith just walked up to Chris Rock and punched him in the mouth. Uh, I'm not really on anyone's side in this. I, I think all the thought pieces are kind of ridiculous. I think anybody who's putting too much stock into this, like no. wa- wasting their time saying, oh, how does this affect our society? I don't care. Right. Um, 
I'll, thought, I'll, t- I'll tell you, I the, thought it's a great comeback for the Oscars. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> man. I have never in my life given a crap about the Oscars, and there was a time I cared about acting and stuff like that, and I, I was a big time movie buff. Not as much anymore, but very. But there was a time in my life where I was, and Dead Gummit, that was the funniest thing I've ever seen, uh, and I. I you know, it's just drama. It's messy. It's rich people being crazy. True. Uh, and so, you know, I don't think it's that big of a deal, but I think it's very funny. Uh, and it's, the, the, it's a great meme. Yeah. I'll say that. The meme image oh, is already man. incredible. The, the, you know, the only the only thing I'll say, um, uh, the one thing that I don't, where, you know, where I don't like about it, like I said, I, I just, I don't think there's a place for violence like that. I, I will say, like, if you're if we're trying to be like respectable people, sure. don't don't do that in front on national television in front of that many people. And and that and that's my that's my. There's a better way to handle there, it. There, right. There's a better way to handle that. Um, you know, and that's why I applaud Chris Rock for being able to keep going and doing what he did. Yeah, what he did. He, he ate it, didn't he? Sure, he ate that slap. And and he kept on doing what he was doing, and he acted very professional, whereas Will Smith did not. He acted very professional. Uh, the other thing, and, and man, I know I get it. There, there's there's violent movies and everything out like uh, that. Kids or you know impressionable minds can see, but this is different because that's real life. And I mean that that was real life violence right there. That, and, and I know it was not as bad as it could have been. It wasn't like you went up there and put a bullet through him or something, you know, <laughs> on national TV. You I mean, slapped the man in the face. However, it, it's inappropriate and. You know there are impressionable people that watch that, and and they now you know parents need to be able to tell their kids or impression who see that that listen that is not an appropriate thing to do. Uh, you know that that's my only issue with it is that it, it's very inappropriate um, in a that is a professional setting that where they were at that is a professional setting. Listen, if they want to go if they want to go backstage or or go out in the parking lot. And and handle business or whatever, okay, whatever. Well, but maybe but, he was but, just, but in that handle in that, it privately rather than sure, publicly. But in that, but, yeah, in but that, privately in that, is not nearly as entertaining. It, it's not, and <laughs> and yeah, I get it. There is the entertainment factor of that, um, which again is why a lot of people still will forever say that that is staged. No, no matter what happens, people will say that is staged. Because it was the entertainment value. Yeah. Why, why would he not handle that backstage? Why would why would he they not handle it somewhere else? Well, of course they're going to handle it out there in front of everybody because that's entertainment and the Oscars suck and nobody watches the Oscars. Yeah. And guess what? Now everybody's talking about the Oscars for the first time in God only knows how long. People are talking about the Oscars because of that. Yeah. So people were going to say, well, that's rigged. It was rigged and to for exactly what you just said the entertainment value of it but i I, still don't think it is i think that will smith just lost his you know what and went up there and made a fool of himself i'll say this i was firmly in the camp of it was staged for like the first hour or two that it was going viral but i saw a video like a close-up video that was slowed down he makes contact oh I, i don't i don't know if it's like super solid like it's it looks a lot worse in fast motion than it is but he was able to get out of the way of most of it but it he definitely makes contact with his face and that's what that's why i think it's real because yeah, watching the slow down he's he's aiming to cause harm it, well and and so the thing is uh it, it wasn't that i i knew there was contact made but i mean these actors and actresses they learn to take hits like this they do that's that true. a lot in in movies and in their acting they learn how to take these 
slaps and all. Um, but what got me in that slow motion is Chris Rock's face after, right after he got hit. The look on his face as he was looking at Will Smith was like, dude, what the hell? That was the look on his face for just that slow motion. And then, of course, then Will Smith going into the back to his seat and saying the things that yeah. he was saying. And Screaming could, at Chris Rock. Well, and you could look at his face. That was – that was, if – if that was fake, that was the best acting job of Will Smith's career. I don't care what movie he's ever been in. That would have been the best acting because his face was rage. Well, That, that was pure you, rage on his face. I, I was going to say, there's a, couple of, there's a couple of celebrities that between the breaks, there's video of them trying to, like Tyler Perry, Denzel Washington, trying yeah. to calm him down. Calm so him I down. think pretty clearly it was, uh, it was not staged. But, hey, maybe he was just auditioning for Ali, too. Is anyone concerned now? <laughs> Consider that. But uh, all right, got to go to our Auburn Bank phone line again. Phone lines were not operational now. Number one, they are now. So next up, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony joins us. Anthony, how are you doing? Doing good. And you guys doing, doing well? Great. See y'all having a little fun. What happened last night? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It was. Uh, it was something. You know, uh, Chris Rock. I know he's a comedian, and a comedian tells jokes and they're funny, but. You know, sometimes all jokes ain't always funny, especially at a woman's expense like that. Going through a medical condition like that, you are losing her hair. I mean, look at it this way. If you had a high school girl or a college-age girl that was going through a condition like that and you and losing her hair, wouldn't you think that woman would be very depressed, very emotional about that, uh, very uh, 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 sensitive about an issue like that? And what I'm saying is, if he wanted to tell a joke or, or, or point that out or whatever in a clown-like setting, what would have been wrong if he would have stopped and talked to them before the show or in between commercials and went out there and, and see if they was uh, willing to uh, go along with that? And then if not, don't mess with it. That was nothing he had to do. There was a million jokes he could have told, but he decided to go that route and go down that avenue that he shouldn't have went down with a, a issue as sensitive as a woman uh, uh losing the hair and if i'm not mistaken that's a middle-aged woman at 50 years old and already probably going through some um, emotional changes and this and that and all the things that go along with aging and it's, uh, she's a beautiful woman with or without the hair she's uh, 100 percent 10 but uh i'm just saying he didn't have to go there and so he opened his mouth and went there so when you show out in the crowd you get whooped in the crowd don't 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 get me wrong here I'm not an advocate of violence. Uh, violence don't ever solve anything. But you know, sometimes I had a next door neighbor before she died. I'd known her since I was just a kid, just a boy. And she said, sometimes you got to get out in the gutter with the dogs and pigs. But at the end of the day, get up out that gutter, walk out, put on a clean shirt and go on with your business. Don't stay down there and wallow with them. Sometimes you, you run into a situation where you might have to hit somebody in the mouth and uh, get them corrected. Sometimes that's what it takes. You know, it's just like a bully bullying somebody at school and, and you done went home, you done told your parents about it, you done told the principal about it, you done told the football coaches and the PE teachers and everybody, you done told them about it and ain't nothing changed, old bully still bullying. But it comes to day sometimes you have to stand up to that bully. You don't got to win the fight now. If you stand up, put up a stand, throw a punch or two and, and just don't quit. Then sooner or later that bully just ain't gonna, he gonna leave you alone because ain't gonna be no more fun bullying because he knows you're going to fight every time. Sometimes you have to get like that. Now, it ain't the best method or road to take, but sometimes it's like that. But i tell you another thing. It's good he done it on national television where you had all the film to record it because that would have escalated into something else. Or a weapon might have been drawn or somebody got killed. You'd have had it all on film versus going in the back somewhere in a parking lot like you suggested and, and go at it that way. 
I mean, that's just what it is. It's not going to hurt the man's career. He's worth over $200 million-plus and keep counting. He's very bankable for Hollywood. As long as he's making Hollywood plenty of money, it's not going to be a problem. But on the other hand, for Chris Rock, Chris Rock is not making Hollywood money like that. Chris Rock ain't had a hit movie in probably the last 25 years. Probably ain't been in a movie in the last 10. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but nothing significant. So uh, it might have some effect on his career, or maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But I, I will say this, you know, uh, uh, that's just what it is sometimes. Things like that happen. You don't want it to happen, but that's just what it is. But uh, I think everything will be all right in a couple of days. Or I'd say in a couple of weeks from now, there could be a tornado comes through in Tampa Town or, or some kind of natural disaster as far as a hurricane or earthquake, and you're going to forget all about this ever happened. You're not going to even be talking about it. You'll be focused on something else around the world or another outbreak of COVID or another outbreak of this or uh, some cop jumps on some innocent guy and beat him to death for no reason. Whatever it is, uh, you'll be on something else. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to read that much into what happened last night, but, uh, you know, uh, I don't see nothing wrong with a man defending his wife honor like that. We need more men to stand up and, and put a right hand in somebody's mouth for running their mouth when they had no business running that mouth. So that's what happens. I mean, I don't know if you guys got girlfriends or married or whatnot, but sometimes uh, you may do some things that you hadn't planned on doing. depends on what happened. I, I, I'd be willing to bet if I saw you guys out publicly with your girlfriends, I got to run in my mouth saying off the wall, out of order stuff, you might tell me the first two times to be quiet. You don't appreciate it. But if I keep on running my mouth, I do believe one or two things going to happen. Either you're going to lose your temper and hit me in my mouth, or you're going to call the police, or you're going to do something. Whatever that is, you're going to do something. You know, especially if she starts crying or, or whatnot, or what is you going to do something. And that's just what it is. I mean, people are human beings. They have shortcomings. Uh, uh, people are, are, you know, that's just what it is when you're dealing with a human being. Nobody's perfect. I mean, you got a million people talking about, well, he should have done this. He could have went down another way and handled this way. Oh, we can't watch no more Will Smith movies or TV shows because he got to acting like a Neanderthal and all this kind of stuff. That's just a bunch of garbage. Everybody in the world has seen somebody slap somebody and experienced some form of violence, uh, whether it be physical violence or just cuss words or whatever it is. There ain't a kid nowhere in America that's safe from uh, uh, seeing somebody get beat up or some kind of verbal abuse or something. That's just what the world is. That's just what it is. That's what it always have been. That's what it always be. We try to shield people from things, but hey, ain't no need to pick it on this show to my this and that, because I've seen on the news where they shown dead bodies of people over there in Ukraine and, and, and when they want to show you stuff like that, see? They only show you when it was convenient for the news people, convenient for a certain group of people to show you these things. I mean, I didn't want to see no pregnant lady or, or these babies laying out all blooded up and dead and, and bodies ain't moving. I didn't want to see that. I mean, getting off early from work, I didn't want to see that. I mean, just quit watching the news. And I can give you one more. When uh, Hussein was having, Saddam Hussein was having his field day in the, in the 90s or whatnot, over there re releasing that gas and poisoning the whole neighborhood, they showed the aftermath on TV. You had all those people laid up, piled up like, like trash bags dead. I didn't want to see that then. That's been 30-something years ago, and I still remember that today, but that it was convenient for the news, and that's just what it is. Now, what do you guys want to say? I, I mean, I, listen, that, as far as what Will Smith did, I get it. You're defending the honor of, of, of your wife, I, I get it. 
I just think there's a better way to handle that uh, instead of right there in a professional setting like that. You can handle your business somewhere else. You don't have to do it right there in front of in front of God and everybody to see. But I also understand where you're coming from. I mean, so, yes, sometimes there's somebody there's some people who just need to get popped in the mouth. Um, but now, but now you also you start treading on some dangerous waters when you start talking about comedians because now when does it become acceptable for you to just walk up and smack the crap out of a comedian who's cracking a joke? He doesn't think he's doing any harm. He's not specifically trying to make fun of her and her alopecia. He's just making a joke about GI Jane. He's being a comedian. That's what he does. He was not bull- he wasn't bullying her or anything. He's just making a joke. And Will Smith comes up and smacks him. So now. I understand what a lot of these other comedians are say, are now saying is, whoa, you know, so are we going to now make it appropriate? Like, hey, I'm watching a comedian and I don't like what he's saying, so I'm going to walk up on stage and smack the crap out of him. But but you know what? He didn't have to do it at her expense. I mean, if you look at any comedy club or any improv show or anything, or people telling jokes or whatever, they telling jokes, but that person they might be joking about is not there in the audience when they're doing these Stupid joke. I, you know, I well, no, I've been to plenty where they 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 will sit well, there. I mean, they level, they will I mean, sit there and roast people in the crowd over I mean, and over on a again. Level, I mean, on a level like that. I mean, when you talk about an uh, uh, issue that sensitive, we understand that. We understand oh, sure. certain jokes versus other jokes. And I didn't see that funny with making a, a fun of a lady that's going through that kind of. Con- I didn't see no fun. I didn't see no fun in that. And, and she's. I didn't see no fun in that. Well, I, I mean, a, he claims he was just joke. making a. He claims he's just yeah. making a joke about the movie GI Jane. Where, where not necessarily about, like uh, making fun of her things. and her. Just 30, thirty seconds left in the hour, Anthony. Just thirty seconds. Y'all, do you guys know Roman Polanski? You I, know yeah, the story behind. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he's he's uh, running from the, ca- the law in California, but yet he's still making movies overseas, and still Hollywood is still showing his movies, and they're still awarding him uh, awards. But uh, people want Will Smith Award return because of last uh, night. Well, how about Roman Polanski? He contained it. He's received award in the last ten years, uh, Oscar yeah. for best director, or filmmaker, or whatever it was in the last ten or fifteen years. Ten years, yeah. But uh, well, we I don't, all know what's going behind that. Yeah, now you well, tell me what's up with that. Well, no, I, I, nobody should be canceling Will Smith o- over this. I mean, I don't yeah. agree with what he did, but that anybody that's wanting to cancel Will Smith, that's part of that cancel culture BS that I that I yeah. can't stand. Let, let the man be. I, he, I think he made a mistake. He'll own up to it. But I, yeah, I mean, hey, all this canceling hey, is crazy. I'd have hit Chris Rock in the mouth too. But I would have <laughs> done a better job. I would have knocked him down. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, guys. See I had you, fun man. With y'all. Y'all have a good one now. All right, bud. All right, see you, Anthony. That is Anthony from Auburn joining us on the Auburn, Fo- Auburn Bank phone line. I did not expect to have that lengthy of a conversation about it or go in that direction, but, hey, that's why we opened the floor. Anyone that wants to call in and give a word about whatever we're talking about. End of hour number two. On the other side, we will hopefully get off that topic, return <laughs> back to sports as you listen to more sports call after this timeout. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. 
third and final hour of the opening show of the week. This is Sports Call Tiger 95.9, SportsCallHour.com, Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, and Tom Peavy with you here today. Uh, had an interesting last hour or so. as We talked about last night's Oscars on a sports talk show. So we will diverge away from that one back to more of the normal talk, which we've uh, also talked to Kevin Ives about Auburn baseball and their start. Had a heartbreaker in softball this past weekend. Uh, Auburn softball was about to take two out of three from top ten Kentucky on the road, but uh, got walked off on in the bottom of the seven, but still Auburn softball still in pretty good shape, six and three to start their SEC play. And uh, then also the final four is set with a impending historical matchup between North Carolina and Duke. It really is kind of incredible that those two have never played in the NCAA tournament because yeah. these are not two pansy teams that, yeah, they appear almost every year, but they're out quickly. I mean, there's been uh, a lot of championships between them, North Carolina having six, Duke having five. Of course, North Carolina has the most Final Fours of any program in history. Mike Krzyzewski has the most Final Fours of any coach in history for Duke. So these teams, this is not foreign territory for them, yet we're going to be tasked with a matchup of two of the top four or five great programs of all time. It makes me wonder, and uh, we'll talk about this for a little bit, what would happen if Alabama and Auburn were to play in a college football playoff? Because obviously the path to that is very, very slim right now. Uh, but if you expand the playoff, then you don't have to talk about, well, one team can't even go to their conference championship. So, you know, and we've seen that not necessarily matter, but you expand this playoff, which we anticipate it would happen, then what would an Auburn-Alabama playoff game look like? But now, was this not a possibility? A, yeah, it few, was. It absolutely was. A, a, just a few it years was, ago. But it was, but it's far more likely once you – Sure. Well, it, yeah, there's only yeah. one path to that right, right. Now. Hey, Well, hey, But the crazy thing is that path was right there. Yeah. Uh, when Auburn knocked off number one Georgia, then knocked off number one Alabama, they played Georgia in the SEC championship game. Alabama, that was their only loss. And even though they didn't play in the championship game – They still made it in. They still made it in the playoffs. If Auburn had beaten Georgia – they're probably number one playing against number four Alabama. Right. So that path was there. That almost happened. We we almost saw an Auburn Alabama. Can can you in imagine the four, in the playoff of the four beating number one Georgia, beating number one Alabama, beating Georgia again, yeah. and then Alabama, and then having to play Alabama again right. for for like four weeks in a row? You've got Georgia Alabama, Georgia Alabama. Yeah. That would only happen to Auburn. That will never happen to any other team, and not just because Auburn is the only team crazy enough to schedule both of those teams. Even though I understand, you know, it's rivalries, it's historical, whatever. But that would never happen to any other program. That's such an Auburn thing to happen. But to to talk about it, if Auburn were to face Alabama and in a playoff game, I'd be a wreck. I know that. Yeah, Um, I'm a wreck. Do you welcome that matchup? No. No, uh-uh. no, I don't want to play really Alabama twice. I don't want to play Georgia twice. I want to play them once, beat them, and move on. Because, I mean, that that's the thing is is great. And, and maybe if you're the favored, you would be high and mighty and say, yeah, I'd welcome it. But the the what if if you lose is I, just look, so cumbersome. I guarantee you Alabama doesn't want to play Auburn twice in a season. Not if even Auburn's when even good. not even when Auburn's not great. I mean, hell, Alabama went to the national championship game this year. Auburn, to, Auburn went six and seven. 
and still took him to triple overtime. I promise you, there's not a single Alabama fan that welcomes that game a second time. And, and not anyone in their right minds. Well, and you say went six seven. I mean, really, you can say Auburn blew that game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Auburn, Auburn, absolutely. Had, Auburn had that game won. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I yeah, you I can agree. say that about a couple of other losses oh, that Auburn sure, had, but sure, absolutely. We're, um, we're hindsight being twenty twenty, right? All that. I, but yeah, well, but I mean, just yeah, the the thought of. The thought of those two teams of Auburn and Alabama playing in a playoff game, uh, I don't like that scenario in any sport, and I and I'm always nervous even in basketball. Like this year when you have Auburn and Alabama both in the tournament, you know, does Alabama make a run and Auburn make a run, and then all of a sudden you find yourself having to play against Alabama in the NCAA basketball tournament? Yeah, you know, that makes me nervous. Football. I, I don't know that the state could handle that. They, they, I mean, you it would burn down. Oh my gosh, I couldn't even imagine that. Uh, I again, I don't want. I don't like it in any scenario. There was also a scenario uh, just a few years ago where Auburn would have played Alabama in a baseball super regional, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the way that bracket shaped up, I believe Auburn and Alabama would have faced each other in a super regional. And I think Auburn that, did not make it to that super regional. That would have been something, but it's always more special when it's your primary sport. Oh, and, yes. well, absolutely, and that and that's why uh, with Duke and UNC in basketball, that is the equivalent of the Iron Bowl in football. Yeah. Uh, any any when they talk about any rivalry in sports, they don't talk about alabama versus auburn basketball they talk about alabama versus auburn football they don't talk about unc versus duke in football even though they hate each other even on the football field they can't stand each other nobody talks about those two teams playing football against each other but the basketball rivalry absolutely same thing with michigan ohio state yeah they both have really good basketball programs and and you know they're back and forth as far as that goes but you never really hear them talk about the rivalry between michigan state or michigan and ohio state with basketball it's football right when you say those two names you are assuming you're, you're football. thinking football yeah um and so yes the idea of auburn and alabama having to play each other in a playoff game yeah, yeah i i whoa let's that, get nauseating to even think about that yeah let's go back to our auburn bank phone line 334-887-341 locally toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine james from montgomery james joins us james how are you doing i'm good and war eagle war eagle yeah i know that y'all were talking about some great uh rivalry games over the years and uh just to put in a lot on these rivalry games because um i do have one good rivalry game that should be added to the list um harvard and yale during football season basketball season baseball season and um college hockey just to name those few sports as well Oh yeah, yeah Harvard, you want to see him play in everything. Yeah, Harvard, Harvard and Yale. Yeah, they definitely don't like each other. Battle of the smart kids. <laughs> yeah, because um, with that, the history between um, Yale and Harvard University actually goes all the way back to like their 
first time ever playing in football, but I, I'm not quite sure on how far the rivalry goes back. But very long um, ways. Yeah, it, it, it goes a long ways. And then plus you have like Georgia and Georgia Tech. Then you have Florida, Florida State. You have Auburn, Alabama. I mean Auburn versus Alabama. And I don't even see any other any other uh, universities actually playing in these rivalry games. I don't even see like UAB playing a rivalry game. Who who who? If they had, if UAB had a rivalry team with the history of all these different colleges, where would you all put the universe uh, UAB in the rivalry with? What university out of the uh, collegial athletic conference? Yeah, I don't, a- I, I don't, I don't see UAB in that in that rivalry um, in that rivalry wheel. I don't see them anywhere. Right. Well, UAB obviously is is a program that not as well touted because they are in the group of five. They are uh, in more of a mid major basketball conference. I can tell you though, James, as someone that's followed UAB for a long time. Uh, if they, you know, their rivalries, unfortunately, I, I would say their biggest rival in football was Troy, but they don't play Troy every year now. They, they had a, a, a sequence where they played them a lot of years in a row. So UAB's mm-hmm. de facto biggest rival in conference play was Southern Miss. And then in basketball, when they were in the same conference, UAB and Memphis were big rivals, and UAB yeah. always got way up for Memphis and that sort of thing. So it's kind of varied for UAB because they've been in different conferences over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the rivals they've had have not been in the same conference, so you have to really work on the schedule every year to get them involved. And so uh, UAB will be going back to the same conference that Memphis is in here in a couple years, so I think that will mm-hmm. get rekindled. They, in football, they used to play for this cool trophy that – that was a rack of ribs. It was called Battle for the Bones between UAB and Memphis, which was yeah. uh, unique. So I think UAB and Memphis would be their biggest rival, but obviously not on the national stage like in Alabama, Auburn, Ohio State, Michigan. Yes, because if they if they actually play against um – if they did play against um, Memphis, they should have that um, historic matchup, you know, like for like the ESPN University or like, you know, before the big games for the college football season, they should do um, like I know on ESPN they do um, the like the um, history of the rivalry games of like through the years and they should have it, you know, where they can have like each year they'll have like Auburn versus Alabama and they'll show like the very first meeting between Auburn and Alabama when they actually played their first ever between the Iron Bowl, and they should have, like, you know, some of the iconic uh, stars from years past actually talk about those games. And when I go to see Auburn actually playing in Auburn, they always do, like, before the game starts, they always do, like, the history of the rivalry games. And they say, like, they have it, like, in a historic uh, storybook, you know, like, chap- like different chapters in a book that you read. And, they- and those stories are actually true. Those are not made-up stories. Those are actually true facts about our university. 
Yeah, absolutely, James. And speaking of history and history books, I looked up that first Harvard-Yale meeting. You want to know when it was? Yeah, sure. 1875. Mm-hmm. And, and Harvard beat Yale 4-0. to zero. <laughs> Yes, yes. I actually um, didn't knew that as well because they do have a documentary on Pluto TV um, not on Pluto TV, excuse me, Tubi TV about it. And it's the story between Harvard and Yale, and they're, and they're actually talking about that, that first game, actually. And some of, the, some of those rivalry games, they will get very, very, very heated. I can actually tell you from my experience of being an Auburn fan for 34 years, um, actually seeing um, Auburn and Alabama fans actually, you know, from uh, the from actually doing the uh, iconic, uh, the historic uh, tumor oak trees caught on fire with, um, you know, with um, with Harvey Updike actually, you know, coming to Auburn, calling the show, calling the Paul Feinbaum radio show, talking about he's going to come to Auburn and he's going to, you know, do this and this and everything. And those trees have so much iconic history. That's the heart of our beloved Auburn. That's the heart and the soul that we always love. And I think that should be the staple of Auburn. Oh, yeah. No, obviously, a lot of people value Tumor's Corner and those Tumor's Oaks, and we're very, very upset uh, when Harvey Updike poisoned them. Uh, that is for sure. What else is on your mind today, James? Well, with the um, Final Four actually coming in on uh, this coming up Saturday. I have Duke actually beating North Carolina, and that one is a historic uh, matchup between uh, the Duke Blue Devils and the uh, North Carolina uh, Tarpons. And I think that with Coach K's final uh, sign off, I know he's going to win this weekend, and with that. Uh, with with the Final Four coming in, that game is one of the best games ever. I mean, with Duke and North Carolina on both sides, I mean, uh, I've seen uh, players actually fighting during the Final Four and uh, seeing, seeing a lot of great uh, players that came out of the University of North Carolina, actually one of the um, – NBA Basketball Hall of Famers uh, Michael Jordan actually played with the uh, North Carolina Tarpons as well. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Michael Jordan, one of the greats of all time with with the North Carolina Tar Heels, um, of course. And and you're right, James. That's kind of why we started talking about these rivalries is because North Carolina and Duke, uh, many would say, is the greatest rivalry in college basketball. And, Mm -hmm. uh, of course, they've never met in the NCAA tournament despite all their tournament success. Both teams have won a lot of championships. So that's why I think a lot of people are going to be tuned in and interested to see this because we've never seen it before. And as you said, it's in Coach K's last year. Yes, it's, it's going to be his last year as well, and um, a lot of a lot of things that I've seen over the years with Coach K, um, you know, seeing him actually um, taking that team from you know being knocked out, almost knocked out of the uh, tournament, but he was like, you know what, we just have to, you know, just 
keep on pushing, and and that's what he really did for those for for uh, Duke fans as well. So you know, I, I wish him um, great success on his uh, on his last few years with um, with the Blue Devils as well, and I hope they win uh, this coming up weekend as well. Now, James, we only got a couple weeks. You know, we talked about the postseason here in the NCAA tournament for college basketball. But, of course, the NBA playoffs are starting here in a couple weeks. How do you feel about your Dallas Mavericks as they approach the, the playoffs? Um, well, I am very, um, very excited that my Dallas Mavericks are actually uh, trying to push it to the playoffs as well. But if the playoffs were today, the Dallas Mavericks will be a one seed if the playoffs were today. Oh, I, I thought I looked at the standings. It looked like they were the four seed because Phoenix is the one seed right now. Yes, yes. I'm sorry. If the playoffs were today, we'll have been the four seed yes, sir. playing today, and we'll be playing the one seed uh, Phoenix Suns as well. Yeah, that uh, that matchup obviously could take place in the in the second round, and that would be a uh, a big matchup because the Suns, obviously, the reigning. Western Conference champions, and uh, that would mm-hmm. be a big matchup if we were to see it in the second round. Of course, the Jazz are the five seed, so you know they go one eight and four five for those respective uh, series. So Dallas would would hook up with Utah right now, but but uh, yeah, yeah, no, there's just about seven or eight games left in the season, and teams are mm-hmm. jockeying for position. And uh, I think that the NBA NBA playoffs going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yes, it is, and actually, this will be my uh, second time watching the NBA um, playoffs as well. Okay, so kind of more recent into the NBA then. Mm-hmm. I've been watching the NBA uh, playoffs for years, and I do have another um, rivalry um, title into this: uh, Dallas and uh, the Dallas Mavericks and the Los Angeles Lakers. There, those two programs have been playing for years. They have been playing for years, and um, with that, I mean, you know, with the Dallas Mavericks being my favorite team, uh, there are some great players back in the day that used to play, like in nineteen sixties, nineteen seventies, Dallas Mavericks with uh, the nineteen. Uh, like the 1950s, 1960s, 1970s, and and 80s uh, Los Angeles Lakers uh, teams as well. Last thing for us, James, before we let you go. Well, I know that on Twitter, I know that y'all had another um, award uh, yesterday on Sunday, so I wanted to congratulate you all on the um, on the uh, nomination. On uh, on the Abby award-winning uh, show that I always call uh, Sports Call, and I hope we win another one in 2023. Absolutely, James. We do appreciate that, and we appreciate you as one of our most loyal callers, and <laughs> we certainly enjoy talking to you, and you put a smile on our face, and uh, we're really appreciative for those that call in like you. All right, sounds good, and I'll call you all tomorrow on uh, War Eagle. War Eagle, that is War James Eagle. from Montgomery joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. When we come back, we do it each and every Monday, the best and worst of the weekend. As you listen to this commercial break, more sports call in a moment.
Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan, Tom, and Brant with you here today. And uh, good call from James from Montgomery on that other side of that break. Again, we've apologized for the phone difficulties in the hour number one, but we were able to get those fixed for Kevin Ives. Also had Anthony on and now James. So uh, if you're not able to call us today, we've got a little bit of time left on our Auburn Make phone line, but. Uh, not able to call in that early window. Certainly try us again tomorrow. Um, we do this each and every day on the, or not each and every day, but each and every week, I should say, on the Monday show, which I've been a part of more recently, so I'm starting to get the hang of it a little bit more, but nevertheless. Now, time for the best. Woohoo! And worst. No! 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 Of the weekend. Best and worst of the weekend. I feel like we've kind of circled around probably some of these best <laughs> yeah. and worst. But, Tom, why, uh, do you want to start uh, best or worst yeah, today? I was going to say, yeah, you, it still feels like you've been on the Monday show more than JJ. So. Well, <laughs> yeah, as of late. JJ, we have officially entered friend of the program territory yeah. with JJ. Company yeah. business. Uh, Tom, why don't you start us off and you can pick best or worst. Oh, well, you know, best, I I, I don't know if I've talked about it on the show or not, but I went and watched the Savannah Bananas and uh, – <laughs> Uh, that is definitely a best. Uh, honestly, that was it was one of the neatest, coolest, and fun. I guess you could call it a sporting event because I mean they did play baseball, some version of baseball. But um, worth the price of admission, worth all the hype. Um, when we had Jesse Cole on the show promoting it, it was definitely everything and more that he said it was going to be. Just an absolute thrill ride from the moment you get to the gate till the moment that you finally walk back to your car. There's entertainment galore. Uh, and uh, they just seem like a bunch of great people. I had a chance to, after the game, to meet a bunch of the players and from both sides and uh, the, the dancing umpire and all that. It, it was great. So that absolutely the best there. Um, worst, man. I'm trying to think of a worst. My my best my best was so best that uh, I don't want to go back into the because I don't care enough about the Chris Rock and Will Smith thing to say that's a worst unless somebody else does it. Uh, worst that was going to be my worst, but well, I'll leave I it mean. for you. Um, <laughs> I I guess I guess maybe if I had to pick a worst, maybe just the Elite Eight games. Yeah, they were just. But for like as good and highly competitive as so many of the games throughout the tournament have been, and like just full on excitement, the, those games are just kind of ho hum. And so yeah. I'll I'll go with that as a worst. Yeah, your your worsts were uh, my two. I was going to say Will Smith and Chris Rock, and if if someone said those, I was going to pick the Elite Eight just because I mean it was just kind of a. 
kind of boring uh, in the Elite Eight. But They're, luckily, yeah. the Oscars were very unboring, so I was entertained <laughs> last night. At least for one little section of yeah, the Oscars. Yeah, I, well, I, I didn't watch the Oscars. I've never watched the Oscars. But um, that I, I've, I've watched more of the Oscars because of that 30-second clip than I have the rest of my life combined. So with all that in mind, uh, best of the weekend, how about the U.S. men's national team? Beating Panama by a score of 5-1, to one. Christian Pulisic, Captain America, gets a hat trick, his first ever hat trick in international play, and all but locks up a spot for uh, the U.S. men's national team in the World Cup uh, coming up in Qatar. So uh, all they have to do is not lose their next game by more than six goals. So it seems reasonable. Seems a re- seems a, not the worst thing to ask. The, as long as they don't lose like six to nothing or five to or yeah six to nothing seven, seven to one, one yeah. eight to two something like that. Then they are def- Then they are in the World Cup uh, after missing it the last time around when they couldn't draw with Trinidad and Tobago. So it is a it is a, a new. It is a new day for the U.S. men's national team. They've, they've really been pushing that message. Uh, Pulisic has uh, really taken over this team. Um, I mean, he's just 23 years old. America, he's going to be the centerpiece for American soccer for a long time, and hopefully they can build around him and make a run. Yeah, we, we really didn't talk about it on the show today, but that was a very impressive and I'd, I'd like to say almost out of nowhere uh, sequence last night where the U.S. wins 5-1. to one over Panama because Panama and Costa Rica were the teams that are four and five in the standings. So if you're unfamiliar with how World Cup qualifying works, the top three in CONCACAF, which has United States, Mexico, Canada, etc. North North and South America right. and Central. That the top three advanced the World Cup. The US failed to qualify for the World Cup the last time around, which was monumentally bad. Uh, very embarrassing to be quite frank. Uh, but they are technically tied with Mexico. They have a better goal differential, so they're technically second right now. But by thumping Panama, they guaranteed that this matchup against Costa Rica, Costa Rica is now fourth. They guaranteed that Costa Rica has to squash them. It's not two results here it's not that the u.s needs to lose by four or five and then costa rica win by another four or five plus costa rica has to go and beat the u.s by six goals um and so to change the goal differential enough because they would tie on points so for all intents and purposes u.s got that and that's great so my my best of the weekend though has got to be uh the abby awards our second abby award this one for Judges Award of Merit for Best Sports Talk Show. In the state, we, we are a small market, but this particular award was for the entire state. Um, and so we're very proud of that. Um, again, want to shout out JJ, who is now back in the studio with us, uh, that you know it was your vision four years ago when you took over this program uh, that this show had been on air over 20 years, and we had never won an award. We had never really submitted to try to win the award. And we submitted back three years ago and didn't win. And then the very next submission, uh, we won the Abbey last year and now have won again this year. And so that's testament to – I want to shout you out, Thank JJ, you, because uh, that's a lot of hard work. And people only hear – you know the three-hour product that we now present but there's a lot of work behind the scenes scenes booking guests uh, trying to organize prizes trying to uh, get hot keys all these games that were created like the controversial game of trivia last week those games are created behind the scenes uh, with thoughts from our great team including jj so just wanted to shout you out uh, and just shout everyone out here on the program that make it great and so that's my 
best of the weekend. Um, another best of the weekend. I don't really have a worst. I could be a, a snide worst after I've just complimented you and say my worst is that Duke is in the Final <laughs> Four. Uh, but the best is that we are going to have an historic basketball game this Saturday. I know that the Elite Eight competition ended up being pretty rough, especially yesterday's and, and two blowouts. But uh, really looking forward to Carolina and Duke in the Final Four something we've never seen no one has ever seen before uh, might be a long time before it happens again despite these two programs story paths so really excited about that i think it's going to be great for the sport of basketball to have that game and villanova and kansas is going to be a heck of a game but i think a lot of people are going to be yeah. wanting to fast forward to the nightcap uh, are you two going to watch that game together? There is zero percent chance. <laughs> he, he won't even. We're both off on our wins. JJ's a nervous wreck. If Duke scores first and it's two to nothing, he is concerned that they will quote blow that lead um, <laughs> as soon as the game and, starts. And um, I get very loud in my hate of Duke. Uh-huh. And so we have watched them before, but not really recently. And also, we were noticing if you want a little bias to creep in here, uh, it seems that when the two of us are together, Carolina wins a little bit more. More than Duke. Does, I wasn't as happy when that was happening. So uh, I think it went to about three in a row or three out of four or something like that. So I also would like to point that out. But uh, no, we will not be watching it It'll be for the betterment of our friendship. Uh, but we, I'm sure, we'll share a call as afterwards. soon as it's over. So, yeah. Uh, I, I just, I have a, I have this brilliant idea. I think it's brilliant, Tom. Since you're the other party here, let me know what you think. We set up a sports call YouTube channel and just get a live feed of you two <laughs> watching Duke and UNC together. Yeah, well, Warning, well, like explicit Bar- material. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like Bar- yeah, it's on you. It's the internet. Like it's the Wild West. There's there's no FCC for YouTube. Well, see, and it's like again, a, warning, explicit <laughs> content. We I mean, no, Bar- Barstool does that, that yeah. with big games, and they'll and they'll have. You know, their their Barstool contributors are of both sides sitting there watching the game with each other, and of course now they've got a lot of money riding on the line, and yeah. so their gambling that, yeah. streams pick up. Yeah, but but still, they you know you've got opposing. They're friends, but they're all sitting there opposing yeah. fan bases, and so yeah, man. I will say my my as best long, friend. As long as we don't have a Will Smith Chris Rock yeah. moment between y'all. <laughs> My best friend uh, growing up for a period was a guy named Cole, and Cole was a big-time Alabama fan, and we never watched the Iron Bowl together. We uh, we, we I, refused to do so. I, well, I, so my, I absolutely understand if y'all don't want to do that, but my, it would make for some incredible content. Yeah, my, I've just I been mean, miserable at the times in my life where I've watched yeah. it around my Ryan being one, but growing up in the state and watching it be, with every friend growing up that was a Tar Heel for some reason. Would you be any less miserable watching it by yourself? Uh, what I, I enjoy being by myself, honestly. I do too, but like if my sport, if my team loses, like when Auburn lost the Iron Bowl, I was injured near stadium. I watched that game, and I was just as miserable as I would have been right. if I was watching it alone at my house. Right, I don't think it's going to make a difference. I truly yeah, don't. Exactly. So watch it together. <laughs> I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I don't even care if we stream it. I just want to be there. I, I like watch, I like I, I enjoy watching them by myself because I can turn it off when Auburn starts stinking the building up. I'm just like, nope, I'm done. I don't do that. I can't give up I, on them. I, told, I can't. I nah. I told JJ the other night that uh, I watched the first half of Duke at Arkansas and then I did not watch the second of the second half because I figured I knew what was going on and. 
I was not going to watch yeah. 20 minutes of uh, K parades right. going to the Final Four. So All right. Now, that being said, Carolina Duke, I'm not turning that off because Carolina is involved, but uh, I would be turning it off in my mind. Best and worst of the weekend, of course, the Abbey Awards, a great one to shout out. That was an incredible event that took place over the weekend. And then, yes, Duke going to the Final Four. Mike Krzyzewski will have one final run-in with the Tar Heels. Here's a fun stat in the series that is just so close. College basketball's finest coach with the most victories of all time, Mike Krzyzewski, has been the head coach at Duke since 1980. He has met the North Carolina Tar Heels 99 times no. in his career. He has a 50-49 and 49 record oh, all-time against North Carolina. So the 100th wow. meeting will take place on Saturday, and he will either finish 51-49 and 49 or with an even 500 record against UNC. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, the, the, that's... That, it's the greatest that, rivalry right. in college basketball, and everyone because, else needs to shut up. <laughs> well, because... <laughs> Not look, that anyone disagrees, but just here's shut the, up if you here, did. Here's the thing. Probably half the college basketball world, maybe a third of it, would say Kay's the greatest coach of all time. The other half would just simply say he's on the Mount Rushmore. I don't know what to do with John Wood, and I don't know what to do with Dean Smith, etc. But everyone would put Coach K in their pantheon, right? But even against that, that's how good North Carolina is, that you play them 100, and t- 100 times, and no matter who the coach is, it's 50-50. It's hard. That Carolina's right there with Duke every step of the way. And I was thinking about how the teams have climbed to their national championships because I always joke with you, Carolina's more than just a one-trick pony. They've had multiple coaches be great, not just one. But So when he takes over Duke, Carolina's won one championship. Then Carolina gets two with Dean Smith. Then Duke gets two. Was it early 90s before Dean got his second, right? I'm saying North Carolina had two national championships. Yes. 91 was his first national championship. Case, right? And yes. then he won again, 92. In 92, yes. So that's two to two yes. with programs. Then Dean wins the, his second, third for Carolina, makes in it 3 3. Yeah. And then they tie it 3 3 in 2000. And one. And one with, with Duke. And then Roy wins in 05 and 09 to get yes. it to 5-3 Carolina. And then Duke ties it yeah. with 10 and 15 to make it 5-5. And then Carolina retakes the lead back in 17 with 6-5. So you see what I'm saying? Like they're always winning within pretty close proximity yeah. of the other. It's insane. And they always go to the – I mean, Coach K goes to 13 Final Fours now, the most of any coach ever. Duke had been to four prior to him, so the program is at 17 total. The North Carolina program is at 21 total. I mean, the numbers just keep going. All right, let me get a worst of the weekend. Let's do a dumb crime. There we go. Uh, to get out of here. <laughs> All right, thieves have been arrested in Tulsa, Oklahoma – for stealing thousands of dollars worth of appliances from a Tulsa Airbnb. Melody Allwine is the host, and she says that she was robbed overnight on December 21st. She said after exiting, uh, the cleaning crew came in to check and see how the previous residents of the Airbnb were doing to clean up the dryer was gone televisions were ripped directly from the wall many appliances including hair dryers and vacuums galore were taking and the drying machine was taken away the washer was left in the middle of the living room as thieves did not have enough time to get Mm. it out of there (laughs) and they were obviously trying to figure out who these thieves were well the dumb thing 
is that these criminals booked the Airbnb right. under their names, nice. their legal names, and they were quickly found and arrested for robbery. Not the best thing. That's how you do there. it. Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm here. Airbnb I'm here crime. to party, and I'm here to take your stuff. <laughs> when when you said like an Airbnb was robbed, I was like, oh, did like did someone break in and, and find money somewhere? Right. Did they do, did they take like a bunch of little stuff? You're like, no, man, washer dryer, <laughs> like big stuff. I'm like, how did how many people were there? How did they Heavy get it out lifting. the door? Yeah. <laughs> Like yeah. have you ever and have you ever tried to get a washing machine out of a door? A Most doors are project. smaller than washing machines. I, I can guarantee you, as soon as I got called, the first thing they said was, well, "I didn't do anything." <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> it was the all, oddest thing. We were yeah. out <laughs> that <laughs> dinner, <laughs> and we came yeah. back, and the washing machine was oh. just in the middle, and we freaked out. We just left. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't know how it ended up right here in our yard. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think two I've minutes truck really came by right. and just, just started a lost thing. I know he had the Airbnb booked, but they randomly decided uh, two-minute truck to drop yeah. it off at our residence. Yeah. I don't know why well, we never, have all I've this I've never stuff. seen this stuff in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Idiots. Uh, we love it. <laughs> we love it. All right, let's take our final break of the show. When we come back, we will uh, celebrate our nightly TV guide. It's worth celebrating from time to time. That's coming up next on Sports Call. The biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call podcast. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.5. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Tom PB, Ryan LaVoy, and Brant Daughtry. Brant, let me give you some love here. All right. Uh, because in just moments, our show is going to go off the air. Correct. Tiger Talk is coming on the air tonight. It's going to air on FM Talk 93.9. Special day of the week because we've got an Auburn baseball series starting on Thursday. So while Tiger Talk is getting started, you're actually going to be editing the Sports Call podcast. Correct. And if so someone just turned on the radio right now and they're like crap i missed the first part of the show what am i going to find on the podcast the first part of the show meaning they will catch the last five minutes right 
Right. So what are what what happened on the show today? What are they going to find on the podcast? So what happened on the show? Let's run through a recap. Well, we talked to Kevin Ives, uh, Plainsman Parking Lot, A U P P L. Yeah, yes. had a great conversation with him about basketball, about uh, baseball. Yeah, that. Um, <laughs> we talked. We recapped the Final Four. We talked about. Um, we we talked about the Will Smith Chris Rock debacle. Yeah. Um, got our thoughts on that. Pretty had wild. A couple of phone calls. Yeah. What are you, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, by no. the way, I was blown away that that actually happened on television. <laughs> Like what? Yeah. I was kind of the same way. I, I was just kind of watching and I was like, holy crap. But also I was traveling back from Atlanta last night and you yeah. you texted that you wanted to vote Will Smith for player of the week. <laughs> I, I sure did. <laughs> I and forgot I did the, that. At the time, Brant. That's really funny. I had no idea what you were talking about. Oh, I'm really? like, what is this guy? Did you not see my attached picture of Chris Rock? <laughs> but I didn't understand because I was just driving and I'm like, what does this even mean? And then no I context. had someone else text me uh, a buddy and saying, hey, this is the best night ever on the old bird app referring to Twitter. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, what does this mean? It was I don't pretty know. incredible. It's still going in. on. It is still going on. So, oh, uh, all right. Our nightly TV guy brought to you by man. our friends over at Coca-Cola. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. All right. It's our Nightly TV Guide brought to you by our friends at Coca-Cola. Uh, any streaming picks that people want to shout out? Well, I was talking about this off air, so why not? Uh, there's a movie called Deep Water that just got released on Hulu okay. about a week ago with Ben Affleck and Anna, Anna de Armas or Armas and um, basically the premise is not far off what goes on in the Will Smith it's 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 a great it's egregious <laughs> in a sense but essentially Ben Affleck is married to Anna de Armas and she is allowed to have like affairs like friends they call them in the movie and Ben Affleck says it basically be an open marriage on her end blah 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 but then he ends up getting jealous I'm going to spoil the whole, whole movie so cover your ears if you have any interest uh, he basically ends up killing all these people that he oh, no. a- allowed to have affairs with his wife and tries to slyly kill them And but it's a fun movie not for those that <laughs> yeah, okay. were uh, trying Check to... Check it out. All right. What was yeah. it called? Deep Water? Deep Water on Okay, Hulu. Deep Water. Hulu original. What's yours? It, 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 is, it is not, in fact, about Will Smith and Jane right. Pinkett Smith. What's, no. your, uh, <laughs> what's your streaming pick, Tom? I don't even know what that is. Okay. All right. What's streaming? your uh, what, what television pick or show are you watching right now? Uh, All right. Tom's I, fumbling the bag. Brent, over I, to you. Stop me if you've heard TV. this one before. Never seen this, so I decided to start watching it. Breaking Bad. All right. Uh, I have never watched Breaking Bad before. <laughs> Cam is very happy. Uh, I'm five episodes in, okay. I think. I'm in season I want, one, episode I, six. I thought you for a moment you were going to say, I watched episode one, and I'd be like, Brent, yeah. you got a little ways to go before yeah. you can get going. I, I'll say, I, there is a show, that, but it, it doesn't come on tonight. It, it, That's it fine. Tell people yesterday. what to be on the lookout for. Uh, all right. So on Sundays on the History Channel, there's a show called Adam Eats the 80s. Um, Adam Richmond's the guy that used to do Man vs. Food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he now goes uh, he goes to all these places and they uh, discuss food uh, things from the 80s, from my time growing up, way before y'all's time. But then they, a lot of times they'll make the food from the 80s that are no longer like discontinued things. And he'll get people to make them. I and thought, so, uh, Tom, how old are you? I am 45. Ryan, how old are you? Uh, I am 26. Brent, how old are you? 23. I'm 26. I just wanted people to know. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, so, but I, I, see, I'm but, 80, I'll I'm be an, 100% uh, honest. I thought Adam Richmond died. <laughs> oh, gosh. I thought he died. Um, I know he, just, I know he, he just, got like super unhealthy from just, Man vs. Well, he just he lost, he lost a lot of weight. Yeah. Here's an irrelevant uh, TV shout out, but you can go stream the season after the fact. How about The Bachelor? 
Okay? Because it's a Monday. It's supposed to be a Bachelor Monday, but our season ended a little bit ago. Clayton was the most recent Bachelor. And for the first time ever, when The Bachelor comes back, it'll be time for The Bachelorette. And they're going to have co-Bachelorettes at the exact same time. They've never done it before, but we're going to season 27 of the thing. So let's spice it up a little bit. Two women trying to date the same men. Uh, it's going to be amazing. And I'm going to apply to be on the show. So, but Ben Affleck's going to get jealous. Function as too much drama <laughs> if they don't want the same one. But if they want the same guy, then oh God. They're going to find yeah. a way to make it happen, oh, man. good God. <laughs> I, would, I would rather rip ingrown toenails out than watch that. I won't go that far. That's but I'm probably <laughs> going to avoid that. I'm probably just going to, I don't know, I'll play video games No or one wants to watch to reality a television with me. I, I would, uh, yeah, I would, man. I wonder why. I would yeah. rather have a tooth pulled with no anesthetic. You get me oh. Chris Rock and Will Smith in a ring, though, I'll watch that reality That's show. That's drama. All day long. Brant, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Brian, thanks for being here. Enjoyed it. Tom, we'll see you on Wednesday. Go bananas. Go bananas. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much to everyone that tuned in and called in to our program. For Brant Daughtry, Ryan LaVoy, and Tom Peavy, thank you to Kevin Ives. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and good day.